0: And we are back yet again. It is that time. Mitchell Smedley. It is oh, it is that time. Hitters. We have two hours. Sports.com in your way here on the radio voice of Kutztown University. K.R. Kutztown As always there is so much to talk about, my friend. Of course, you got NFL playoffs, MLB season rapidly approaching, and we are getting ever so closer to the big dance. March Madness will be here Sooner rather than later. Mitch, I know you're excited. You're donning your Eagles gear as they are going to the well, Super Bowl. I was You've been, you been living under a rock. Um,
1: did anything happen
0: yesterday, Jack, that I don't we know. should be aware did of? It, did anything happen did yesterday? Did any riots occur in Philadelphia did, yesterday? Did two conference championship playoff games happen where the winners are going to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Delaware um,
1: Valley polls
0: beware. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not aware of that fact, but maybe that did happen. But in all seriousness, <laughs> we're going to get to all that upcoming NFL talk. Plenty of things to talk about. Uh, From the game results to player beefs, Twitter beefs from players not even playing in those games, Uh, a lot happened yesterday and over the course of the weekend. We're going to break everything down here next. Mitch, we're going to start in the AFC side of things. I know you so desperately want to talk about your Eagles, but we're going to get the Bengals and Chiefs game out of the way first. so That way we can really dive into your thoughts about your team and how your excitement uh, about how they're going to the Super Bowl, you're wearing your your Mr. Yeah. Jason Kelsey jersey. Jason Kelsey, no one likes. You have the uh, you have the Super Bowl champions hat from a couple years ago on. Yes, so sir. you're donning all your merchandise from your birds. But we got to talk about the Bengals and the Chiefs first. Yeah. We will talk about your opponent and why there's a lot of storylines around it so for many, obvious dude. reasons. But the final score of the AFC Championship game: 23-20. Mahomes and the Chiefs get revenge on Burrow and the Bengals. Travis Kelsey has some things to say post-game. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yes, sir. in terms of what occurred on the field, I want to address one thing right off the bat. And a lot of the talk uh, about this game has been, man, the referees were so bad and, and, you know, the Chiefs were gifted this game by the refs. I really want to refute that point because if you look at a lot of the things that people are, you know, making an outcry about is, you know, that redo third and nine.
1: That you know, was atrocious. All right. But the Bengals got it off was, the field. But look at this. Look at I understand, but it was still weird. I and I don't think it changed the outcome of the game at all. But it was it was weird. It was weird. I'm not going to say it's not the and one everyone's yelling about that I don't agree with is uh, you know I heard controversy about um, I think the Bengals defended, defended uh, who how do you say his name Jose um, Josai? Oh yeah yeah on the final yeah, on the Osai. final play Osai. Um, he definitely, you know, that was a good call on the on the sideline there. Yeah, that, that's a penalty. That's how the game is played today.
0: Yep. Two feet out of bounds was Mahomes. He got pushed, and the guy stepped on his heel, which did not help deleting Mahomes' stay on his feet. Yeah. So, I mean, Joseph Asai had a great year for the Bengals. He was a big part of their defensive line and why they got to this game. And, you know, is it a really not un- – it's an unfortunate way to end your season. No one wants to see the game end like that, call it a penalty. You know, give them 15 yards and put them in field goal range. But at the end of the day, that's a penalty. That is a
1: Quarterbacks penalty. Quarterback's
0: out of bounds. You, you can't shove him. And Bengals, de- Bengals defensive end Jermaine Pratt had some words after the game in the tunnel. Uh, a video surfaced on Twitter after the game yesterday. Uh, you know, why are you touching the quarterback? As he's yelling that as they're going in the locker room. So, uh, man, I can imagine the locker room after the game was not not an environment you'd want to be in, man. But you know, if you're if that's your teammate, you gotta support him. You know, the guy's already feeling bad about that. Uh, and you know comments like that, man. That's just that's just being a bad teammate. You know, that's just being a bad teammate. You're, you know, is, are you gonna be mad you lost in the AFC Championship? Of course, you you didn't go back to the Super Bowl. You were right there. You were right there at the end of that game. You lost by a game when you feel good by Harrison Bucker in the final seconds, and that stings. Uh, you know, so so bad. And I get that. But you know, as you, if you if you're a teammate of that guy, that's the last thing that guy needs is to be dogged on. He knows he made a bad play and made a crucial mistake. You know, towards the final minutes of that game, but. Man, I, that's Hold not on. cool. It's it's not cool of uh, a teammate there by Jermaine Pratt. Uh and Michael Bartson had, had said uh you know, I had, had a reply about it on Twitter,
1: but man, I'm on Pratt's side. Uh I I think uh this this league is unfair to players not uh at the quarterback position. Uh if a player messes up, if a receiver drops a ball and, and Tom Brady goes over to him it's like, "Yo, what the, you know what?" right? And and he's kind of upset about it. We're like, "That is the Passion you should play football with. That's amazing. Look at Tom Brady. Oh, it's different because he didn't go right up to him and say that. He's in the he, – he, he, oh, oh, he didn't say it to no, him in the – No, no, no. Oh, no, he was no, no. just yelling he was, it. He was just yelling it. Oh, and oh I misunderstood.
0: Yeah, no, he did not say it to a size face. He was he, he got caught uh, on, on camera saying that when I don't think he knew he was being recorded.
1: Mm. Okay, I, I understand the so. passion still, though. I understand that's a little worse of a look, but yeah, if, if he went up, I to understand being passionate. Why are you touching court? the quarterback, man? What are you doing? Yeah, it's like if you
0: want to go up to your teammate and say it that yourself, that's fine. You can settle your differences there. But yeah, man up and be a man about it. Go approach him yourself if you want to say that, man.
1: This is not Detroit, man. This is the it's Super Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> the Vikings and that's all I I love him. Freaking far. runs up, and catches him. it. Their punter's terrible. Oh, dude,
0: <laughs> Paul Allen is a is an icon, He's man. Awesome. He doesn't care. He, does he doesn't not care. Eat.
1: He says I'm going to say what I'm say- I'm going to say and uh so and so referee his first time doing a Vikings game I hope you never come back. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, man.
1: But we got to get back to <laughs> yeah, the, to, sorry, the to the Bengals and the Chiefs. Distract. It's all good. We were talking about, you know, all the ref
0: stuff and how some of it was kind of I think blown out of proportion. But if you go back to that play, the 3rd and 9 redo, yep. sure the refs have made a, you know, a clearer point to blow the play dead, but there was an official on the field waving his arms trying to stop the play uh, and the crowd noise I think you know played a big part in why we didn't hear that whistle but you know to say that the refs just stood there and gave the Chiefs a blatant redo when that's not what happened uh, people need to, i think need to look take a step back and look at that situation a little bit more and the over you know lying point here is that the Bengals
1: defense got off the field they got a sack then there was a penalty then they allowed one yard two incompletions and they were off the field exactly did it take it, a little it, more it time there was a difference of 1 yard but they
0: got off the field anyway the defense did the job uh, you know, despite you right. know, maybe feeling, if you're Bengals fan or player, that you got some unfavorable calls. But it, it didn't really end up mattering because it didn't change the game. So and they it, went down and yeah. scored a touchdown on that drive. You got a three and out the next set of downs. So And
1: if you really want to look at, uh, well, it could have saved, you know, a, a minute left for uh, the end of the game. Well, there were three seconds uh, after the field goal. But uh, that field goal was kicked on first down. Kansas City could have taken knees, run the ball, right? They would have run out the clock anyways. This game... Uh, it went the way it was going to go because of that that penalty and, and the penalty is what what really killed the the, uh, the Bengals not the not the clock management of the refs. So uh, I don't I don't think uh, the refing was that atrocious. I thought it was weird watching it. I thought it looked odd and and I don't understand how you have that big of a blunder by a by an officiating crew. But because it seemed like all the other refs were in on the play, right? They were whistling it dead, right? They were you know they seemed like they were in position, but um, so I, I don't really understand the. Uh, what happened there, but it also did not have any effect on the game. It was just one more man. We just kept sitting watching in my in my living room, Jack, and we were just like, these games feel like a fever dream. Like, what is going on? Yeah, that was some
0: odd championship play. It was. It was. It was a very bizarre weekend of football, and we'll get back to it in just a moment as we do have a quick message from the Kornopa contention KU community. Carlos Ojeda Jr., a national empowerment speaker and the founder of CoolSpeak, will be giving a presentation on Monday, February 6th from 7 to 8 p.m. at BAME Room 145. The presentation is called Your Voice is Your Power. Let it be heard. You do not want to miss this fun and inspiring event. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztan University KUR. Welcome back, Devators, everybody. On this early Monday morning, we're breaking all things NFL down here and, Mitch, we've already started to talk about the AFC Championship game and how bizarre of a weekend so uh, it, it was in football. just didn't really feel like a championship weekend. No. Uh, you know, just everything that transpired. We'll get to the other side of things with the NFC Championship game, uh, you know, shortly. Even but, weirder. Yeah, very bizarre <laughs> set of circumstances happened in AFC that game. AFC was like
1: dessert but, uh, <laughs> after that game. Yeah. Jeez. We
0: <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about the refs and, you know, that third and nine redo. And, you know, another one that people were... Saying, oh, well, 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 the intentional grounding, the intentional grounding, I mean, how can you call that? Well, it was yes, not was a, intentional grounding. Well, there was a receiver in the area, but one of the key points that rules the ball's got to get back to the line of scrimmage, and Burrow did not get it there. He spiked it, the football short of the line of scrimmage. That is a penalty, and yet again, it didn't matter because the Bengals converted the third and 16 to Hayden Hurst for a first down. He got out of bounds. He was wide wide open. Trent McDuffie misses his assignment, and the Bengals converted the first down. So, yet again, yep. you want to make an outcry about a penalty. But it didn't really hinder the Bengals because it's not like they had a punt on the next down. Then, then I get you know a little bit more. I, I get you know making a big deal about that penalty. But the two big calls that people were, you know, going crazy about on social media, didn't really end up impacting the game too much.
1: No, nah, it didn't change any anything about the outcome of the game. It doesn't hinder the the Chiefs win at all, right? You know, oh, they don't deserve. Oh, they totally deserve to be there. Look, both teams made plays. Uh I think back to uh the Jamar, was it the Jamar Chase yep. on uh was that fourth down? Fourth down and double coverage. Double 35 coverage, yards. man. Thirty-five yard pass. That was incredible. Um I think to the I, I believe it was MVS uh in the end zone on his back. Yep. Uh for the Chiefs, right? Like there was some incredible play on both sides. I saw Burrow uh, when the game really mattered, getting twelve yard runs, five yard runs, right to to move, juking defenders in open field, exactly. Like these teams both played hard. It came down to the wire, and unfortunately, it came down to one mistake. Um, and sometimes that's just how these conference games go, man. And it was a really great game to watch. It looked early like the Chiefs had total control. Burrow had no time to throw. Uh, they were up by I believe like thirteen to three. Yep, thirteen, 13 to three yeah. in the second quarter. Uh, and it, it looked like it could have gotten ugly, but Give credit to the Bengals. They started chipping away, even through a pick, and in, in, uh, I believe up around midfield and, and survived that without giving up any points. Came back and, uh, tied it up eventually. And, and it was a battle of a second half. But, man, I mean, you're right. Like, it didn't affect the outcome of the game, the refereeing. Um, just a really great, uh, a football game. Just, you know, tainted by a little bit of those, those controversies that you're talking about with the, um, with the, uh, tunnel talk and, and with the, uh, the ref calls that really, I mean, I, I'll i keep saying it, did not change anything. Sure, they looked like atrocious calls at first glance, whatever. But as Jack just went through, there's rationale behind them. And, uh, you know, I personally thought that the uh, the refing was subpar. But yeah, I'm not going to sit here I and say it was great and, officiating. Yeah. But,
0: you know, the calls that people were going crazy about, it's not that they were that egregious. I mean, there right. was... They, they were trying – the one referee was trying to stop the play and the intentional grounding, the ball was spiked short of the line of scrimmage yeah. with Piran being in the area. I get that. That's one of the qualifiers. But he also had to go get the ball back to the line of scrimmage. Burrow failed to do that. But,
1: yeah, and then on the next play, deep uh, sideline route for um – was that also Chase? Yeah, it was a Hayden Hurst. Oh, yeah, yeah, 16. yeah. Tight
0: end, yep. Yeah, McDuffie misses his time and he got wide open. Yeah. And, you know, that was a big play because the Chiefs looked really confused on that play. There was a lot of, se- the, you know, the secondary guys were talking to each other. And it just looked like kind of a disarray. And I was watching the game with my dad at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and towards the end, I'm like, the Chiefs, we were both like, the Chiefs should take a time out here. These, the guys in the secondary kind of looked like, you know, maybe, you know, just, Take a timeout. You have two of them. If you're Andy Reid, just get your team together there on that yeah. third down. You know Spagnuolo is going to send pressure. That's what kind of defensive coordinator he is. He dials up the heat. He tries to get the quarterback, you know, under pressure in these big type of games. Uh, and it kind of, you know, put the Chiefs
1: in the butt because they got the first down, but they got the stop anyway. So it was a really interesting point because uh, I believe there was we were inside the two minute warning, right? Yes. Um, and look the Bengals had the ball and and after that Hayden Hurst play they were up uh toward the 40 yeah so the
0: 37 yard line the
1: 37 yard line and i mean if all goes right you get two to three more first downs right you get 25 30 more yards you have a chance at a game winning field goal exactly that's the time like the Bengals had the opportunity to win this game uh and then they couldn't play defense after after punting it away like Personally, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm not, I'm not upset at the refs. I'm, I'm upset at my own team's inability uh, to execute when the game mattered most. Credit to players like Chris Jones, right, coming in with the big sack uh, to, to force the punt. I mean, that, that's a, that's your biggest player on defense at the biggest moment, uh, coming in and making a play. Uh, the Chiefs, like you said, Spagnola set the pressure. Chris Jones got it done, and then Mahomes went down the field with a little help. Uh, from the Bengals, and and that's really what it came down to. Tie game at that point, go win the football game. You know, Joe Burrow, he had did a all shot. He could, had his chance, couldn't do it.
0: And the offensive line really, I think, is to blame for that. They played well it still in the weakness. second half. And, but, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't help when you play playing with three backups, but the Chiefs had a great, you know, mat- matchup recognition. They knew the right tackle would be a weak spot. You put your best pass rusher and uh, Chris Jones on that edge. He gets around him with ease, and sacks Burrow on that huge third down, forcing a punt, you get the ball back. Uh, and then Mahomes makes the play, man. By the way, we got to talk about that a little bit. The warrior effort from Mahomes, you saw him limping around all night. I mean, the guy was clearly not healthy playing on that high ankle sprain, but he takes off and gets those tough yards when they needed it most on that third down, and he draws the penalty. I mean, that's what great athletes do. I mean, that's what great players do. They they fight through, you know, the adversity and, and, and the toughness. You know, you're playing through pain. You can see that guy's out there. He's not feeling 100%, and not a lot of guys are at this point in the season just because it's such a physically daunting You know, NFL season, a lot of physicality. But anyway, uh, you know, to take off and run there when you haven't been running all night and pick up the first down and draw the 15-yarder, Mahomes, that's a championship-level play that I don't know if it's getting talked about a lot, Uh, you know, just to be able to fight through and get those tough yards uh, and scramble that first down when the Chiefs absolutely needed it. Uh, What what a play by Mahomes there.
1: Yeah, really outstanding uh, effort, and he's, um, what is he, going to the Super Bowl for the third Third time in four years? Yep. One
0: and one. Yeah, the win over the Niners and the loss and a lost, route to the Bucks. Loss
1: to the Bucks. So because
0: their offensive line looked a lot like Cincinnati's yesterday. Exactly.
1: So hopefully we'll see that result uh, play out one more time. Hopefully for you.
0: Uh, you know, <laughs> we're we're in different camps here, but we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about the NFC side things in just a little yep. bit here. in hour number one of heavy hitters. We are going to wrap up with the Bengals and the Chiefs, Mitch. It was twenty three twenty. We went through a lot of the key plays of the game You know, what happened with all the you know referee controversy, but. I mean, look, the Bengals, they have some key free agents. They're going to have Jesse Bates and Von Bell, two key pieces of their secondary, are going to be, you know, pending free agents. Do we see the same Bengals team back next year with the exact same pieces? I'm not sure they're. Offense is going to be great for years to come just because of Burrow and Chase and Higgins and all those guys impact the mix in. it has got to keep trying to upgrade that offensive line, but the Bengals are going to be here to stay, and I think we've seen the last two years one of the great upcoming rivalries, up-and-coming rivalries uh, on the AFC side of things with Burrow versus Mahomes. We've seen these two duke it out in the conference championship game twice now in back-to-back years. I think we're going to see these two guys battle it a couple more times, whether it be in the conference championship or just in the playoffs in general uh, for years to come. These are going to be two teams I don't think they're going anywhere.
1: No, I think these are both the class of the conference. I think they're going to keep Josh Allen third-wheeling uh, over there with the Bills. Um, I-, I totally agree what you said about, you know, they're going to have to upgrade the offensive line. That's I mean, anyone with a brain can, can see that that's the Bengals' problem. Exactly. Uh, it's not like a rocket science you know, type yeah, thing to point out that weakness. It's not rocket surgery or brain science. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, The secondary— uh, you know, pieces come and go. You can sign short term deals, uh, you can you can maybe draft somebody else. Uh, you know, you can find ways to figure that out even if you don't re-sign Bates um or um why is his name escaping me? Bell. Bell, yeah. Devon Bates Bell. and Bell. So um I, I think they'll figure it out. I definitely think there there's always turnover, right? Yep. Especially on the on the conference championship uh teams, right? that go to these these deep runs. There's always going to be players that come and go because, well, other teams want them. Uh, those, those players want to get paid, right? So uh, there's going to be tono- turnover, but I, I think the point remains what you said, that the, the Bengals are going to be good for years to come. Uh, I think the class of that division still. So, Well, an interesting
0: point to note here before we go to our first break. Each of the last 16 quarterbacks to lose in their Super Bowl debut have never made it back to the big game. Now, yeah, Joe Burrow that. has a long career left in front of him, and he can make it back. Uh, but that's interesting to know because it really felt like the Bengals, uh, they could have went back this year. I mean, people need, I think people need to stop underrating uh, what, what the Bengals have been doing. They've been going out on the road. They've been winning playoff games consistently for the past couple of years. Start taking this team like they're a true AFC contender. It's not just the Chiefs above everybody else. Granted, the Chiefs won th- this time around, but the Chiefs have, they're, they're a beatable team. Uh, the Bengals have showed you can beat the Chiefs. And Now, granted, it wasn't a fully healthy Mahomes like we talked about earlier, but the Chiefs have their vulnerabilities. So... While the Chiefs still are the classiest conference in my mind and a lot of others, uh, you know, they're a beatable team. And, you know, the Bengals have shown that that you can hang with them. You can play a clean game on both sides of the ball for the most part. You hang with the Chiefs, uh, and they're a beatable squad. But I want to note, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more on the flip side of the week. But the first round pick for the Chiefs in the secondary, Trent McDuffie, played a great game. uh, And he's got to get talked about a little bit more. But we're going to talk about that
1: on the flip side of this break. Stay tuned, Heavy hitters. Plenty more NFL talk coming your way next. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. On a Monday morning, uh, going through conference championship weekend, talking AFC side of things first, Bengals-Chiefs. Chiefs took it 23-20, to but as we were just talking about before the break, Jack, the Bengals absolutely hung in this game, showed that the Chiefs can be attacked, can be um, you know brought to the brink uh, in these big games. How did they do it? Uh, they did it because
0: their young secondary played really well. And Trent McDuffie, who I mentioned right before the break, was their first round pick this past year's draft. I believe came out of Washington and he played phenomenally. He did come out of Washington. I was correct on that. My hunch did not take me in the wrong direction. But McDuffie played well. This young secondary played really well. You know, it was you saw the adjustments they made. You see earlier in the game, Chase beats him on an up, you know, a sluggle route goes slant, it goes up the field, and they got beat on it. And double coverage. You know, you saw him go out to make the catch. They tried the same thing later on in the game, other side of the field with T. Higgins, and instead it gets tipped up by Cook and into the arms of Williams for an interception. So you see yeah. these young DBs making the adjustments. The Bengals try to run some of the same looks, but they were on it that time. I think that's what's so huge. You see these young defensive backs learning from their mistakes earlier in the game, and that's what you want to see. This Chiefs secondary, very, very youthful, but Steve has done a great job of this defense this year. And not only to get them to the Super Bowl, but just all year you've seen the steps you know, that they've made. They've played, I think, a lot better than the Chiefs' defenses have in years past, and they're they're gonna have a shot in a couple of weeks. I really do, and I'm not just saying that because well, of course you're gonna say that they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they obviously have a shot. Yeah. No, but it's just I'm saying in they're years past the Chiefs' defense has kind of hindered them, and you know, especially in the Super Bowl, it was a tough task because the offensive line really couldn't block for much of anything and Mahomes was getting pressured all night. But you've seen in years past the Chiefs' defense has come back, you know, to to bite them a little bit. And yes. it was always the, it Wasn't uh, the case.
1: It, they've always been the well, they're a powerhouse offense, but can they outscore the opponent enough? You know? Exactly. Can the defense just delay enough? Right. Get one takeaway. Right now, now the defense is a. Is I think uh, where did it wind up stat wise? Was it like middle of the pack this year? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think it was like you know top fifteen or something. So, it's not a it's not a um, world beater defense, but it is serviceable, more than serviceable, as you saw by these these young guys. Uh, the Bengals, I also thought, had a uh, really well coached game. Um— all throughout except for you know toward the end but uh they were down 13-3 right down double digits way early Burrow can't get anything going the defense is you know they they uh eventually stopped them for just two field goals and one touchdown but I mean all three drives I believe were in the red zone uh the Chiefs just seem to be able to move up and down the field at will early on in the game and um I was interested to get your take on what changed because obviously they started sending more pressure they started uh you know Changing something, uh, some things up just before the two-minute warning. After that interception, uh, what did you see mostly out of the Bengals that allowed them to stay in this game? Uh, I think they,
0: I think they got a little bit more aggressive. You know, you saw them came out a little flat early on, and the Chiefs it's kind of giving me a feel back to last year's conference championship game between these two teams. The Chiefs got off to that fiery start at home, mm-hmm. and then the Bengals settled in. They got a little bit more comfortable, and Burrow got more time. I mean, that was a huge part of it. Burrow got a little bit more time, navigate the field, make things happen. And it's crazy what what a difference it makes when your star quarterback has time to sit back <laughs> and scan the field and be able to make his reads and throw the football. Uh but you know it was better protection in the middle quarters of that game. Uh, you know, but like we mentioned, you know, kind of faltered later on because the Chiefs got that big sack. But what yeah. changed in the game for me, uh, was that Burrow was able to make plays, uh, and and get the star receivers involved on this offense. Uh, and that was and that was huge for the Bengals to be able to claw back in this game uh, and make it just such an interesting finish.
1: Yeah, just it, for me, it, it, absolutely. I, th- I think it was the aggressiveness, the more pressure, um, take shots exactly. Take those deep shots to Jamar Chase in double coverage. Why not? Um, you know, throwing it deep for for Hayden Hurst on a blown assignment. It was the the bigger plays on offense. It was the uh, the pressure on defense. You're right. I mean that, that offensive line is is one one series I'd say away because there were some incompletions that were rushed just before that sack. Yep. Um they were one series away from having the same script written uh this this year as, as last, you know? Uh down big early, uh start protecting Burrow more and and a comeback win for the Bengals, it would have been. Um, except uh Chris Jones had something to say about that, him and his boys. And uh, like we said, it just didn't work out at the end. But really a great effort to come back, tie it up, not once but twice. I thought the Bengals played really well uh, in this game. They did. They they played well right to the very end. And a couple of
0: mistakes, you know, cost them from going back to the Super Bowl. But, you know, you can't make mistakes against great teams and great quarterbacks because it'll it will come back to hurt you. And that's what the Chiefs did late. Yep. Um, a couple more notable performances. We talked about MBS's touchdown. He stepped up in the spotlight when they needed it the most. Six for 116 and a touchdown. And the Chiefs' wide receiver room, man, they are beaten up. I mean, they got to get healthy in the next couple of weeks. Or otherwise, Sky Moore is going to be wide receiver, two in the Super Bowl. And that does not favor well for the Chiefs. We I really like Nicole the Hardman. that. We saw McCole Hardman, Kadarius Tony, and Juju Smith-Schuster all leave the conference championship game hurt. And Mahomes wow. find a way to get it done. I mean, Marcus Kemp and Sky Moore were constantly running routes, uh, along with Noah Gray, who's the backup tight end to Kelsey. And that's just not the look the Chiefs want. Uh, they, they tell really. you that firsthand. I mean obviously when it's still confidence in your guys but when you're in your fourth and fifth string receivers it, it's going to be a tough task especially against a fully healthy Eagles secondary in a couple of weeks we'll see what these injuries got you know what these injuries are and what the extent is but man the Chiefs are you know they they're banged up they're hurt uh but we'll see and it, they yeah. got 2 weeks to heal up how many of these guys will be active uh who won't we'll see time will tell but we're going to have to
1: let it shake out cuz that could be a huge mismatch yep it could be uh, a, you big know big game.
0: big uh you know discussion there about you know Groups match wide receiver room versus DB room, yeah, uh, and who's actually there. We know Travis Kelce is going to be there because he was talking a lot after the game. He was calling it the Cincinnati mayor for what he had to say earlier yeah. in the week, and that? Uh, that that was funny. But yeah, Chiefs are moving on. Warrior effort from Mahomes. Bengals fall just short, and the Chiefs will be going to Glendale, Arizona, to play in their third Super Bowl in the last four years. The AFC's new dynasty. Uh I would say more so than the Bills. I said that. I but, think I
1: said that on this show, didn't I?
0: Yeah, you can't you know, you can't say they're not because they've been in the conference championship game what now five straight seasons? Uh dating back to twenty eighteen or six. There, yeah. Five or six. Um I,
1: were they in it in Mahomes 2017? Mahomes made it every year.
0: No, no, the Jags were in it. 2017. No, yeah. So
1: twenty eighteen started the run. Uh that was Mahomes' first loss to Brady. Mahomes ain't never played an away playoff game. That shocked me when I heard it. Yeah. They've always been a one or a two. And the one is lost. That's, when wow, they were two. that's crazy to think right? about. Because I thought the first AFC Championship game was in Foxborough. It was not.
0: No, it was in Kansas City. Yeah. Yep. They were the wrong. They were the
1: one that year. Or were they the two? No, I think they were the one. They were the one. Yeah. Yep. yep. Crazy stuff. Crazy, so. crazy to think all about. these years they're just. I mean, they just destroy people. You know, it's what it is. So
0: they are the standard. Everyone is chasing the Chiefs to be that model of consistency and to be able to, yep. you know, take the reins and. Play the, play the playoff games in
1: their home turf, but dynasty in the Super Bowl. Let's sounds see if they familiar. can win their
0: second this year, but
1: uh, sounds familiar to me.
0: Not as much of a dynasty as I'd say the Patriots were because they won, plenty no, of they before won the Eagles met that 2017 yeah. 18 season. So, but we digress, we have to move on. NFC side of things, Mitch, and I know you've oh, been oh man, chomping at the bit to talk about this, and uh, it was a route. It, it was a rout. It was oh. the weirdest blowout I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, I texted this to you yesterday. Yeah, everything that could have went right for the <laughs> Eagles in this game did. And I'm they, by aside no from means, no
1: one being able to tackle McCaffrey no, yeah. on his on his 23 yard run, everything on his beast mode touchdown. run, I mean, that was an inc- like you know you Herculane know he's effort. my favorite player, and I want to bring up something like much later that was like a small note of something that could have happened but didn't. But you know, I love watching Christian McCaffrey play. And I will say that that hurt my soul for about 20 minutes. That that touchdown run. I was going to say it might it must have not been of too long because of how the rest of that game shook out. No, uh, but if you will remember, it was seven seven for it a was. while. It was. It was seven seven for a while into the, the second quarter. It was a tight game, and then wasn't until inside the, the two park. minute warning that the Eagles uh, put up 14 in the last two minutes of the first half. Twenty one seven at halftime. Never looked back. Added 10 more in the second half. But man, oh man, Jack, the Eagles scored. Four rushing touchdowns against the league's best rushing defense. And I think that says something. I know that there's going to be people, because they're my roommates, that talk about, oh, how the Eagles were gifted points. Devontae Smith didn't catch the ball on fourth down. There were a bunch of penalties uh, against the Niners, which there were, but they were real penalties, right? We talked about Mahomes getting shoved out of bounds. Jalen Hurts got shoved out of bounds late, I believe, by uh, – Funga. Yeah, Yeah, so that's it. I mean, there were all sorts of – there was holding – uh, a lot of those second half penalties were frustration penalties. First half, I'm talking first half on the Eagles' second yeah. touchdown drive. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, um, the
0: Hurts had a bouncing. I think it was in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, the there was a couple of holdings um, in the second quarter that that uh, I believe were both on third down. Shannon was fed up. Shannon all was day mad. with yeah. the refs. He was from start to finish. He was not yeah. having it. Um, let's address the elephant in the room too. I mean. So we all are aware that the 49ers had lost, you know, their first and second string quarterbacks throughout the season. Jack, they lost two more throughout this game. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to use the, you know, the excuse that the,
0: oh, well, you know, the Eagles got gifted in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to say that because, you know, they did have to earn it. They had to go out and put up the points and win the game. However, I will say this has been one of the more favorable schedule runs to the Super Bowl that I can remember in recent memory. It just is. Yeah. And credit it, to them for taking advantage of it, and not, they, they not
1: leaving much up for doubt. Right? Yes.
0: Yeah. They did not. They they put everything, all the doubts, you know, to bed. They they rest assured the Eagles were going to go to the Super Bowl, uh, and they made sure that the Niners had no sniff of life in the second half. And, and honestly, what is so honestly the one of the I was talking to my good buddies, an Eagles fan last night about this, and, and one of the things that frustrated me is that the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl without being battle tested, and that's one of the things that kind of just. It just gets under my skin a little bit because they didn't get the Niners best. And it's not because the Niners didn't show up. It's just because of the way things shook out with the yeah. injuries. And, and, man, it's got to be sickening as a 49ers player oh. to be on that sideline. It didn't know for three quarters of that game you didn't really have a shot. And it's not because you didn't show up to the stadium that day. It's just because of the injuries and the way shook things shook out. You know, Josh Johnson I mean, made his bad plays. I mean, fumbling a snap that was right in his hands. And that's I think where the game completely turned. I yeah. mean that, that I mean, one play. It was
1: over on that play, because if you remember they got the first down in the two minute drill to yep. Debo. Uh and they, they could have started moving down the field, get a field goal. You know, if they get a field goal, right, I think that's realistic. Yeah, uh, it's fourteen ten at halftime.
0: Exactly. And it's a brand new ball game. Instead you fumble it. And they have the ball coming out of the half. And they go to yep, they go down score. Boston Scott, twenty one seven. Then, you know, Josh Johnson gets the concussion. Purdy has to come in where he literally cannot throw the football.
1: I don't so let's let's talk about this. What would you have done in this situation quarterback-wise because we were all in of the thought that uh, why was McCaffrey not in Wildcat on every snap? What do you think? Because would, that's only going to
0: work for so long. You know what I'm saying? But Brock you couldn't stat- throw the ball. I get that. I get that. But, you know, at one point is... It, it's a tough argument because, you know, Shanahan said post game. I think, that you threw Purdy out there out of necessity. He threw one pass. He threw a screen pass. That was it. It, it, it was... To the point where could McCaffrey throw the football? Yes, and it, but will Wildcat work to start? Yes, but then you're gonna sc- just gonna start stacking eight in the box because you don't have the worry of McCaffrey being able to consistently throw the football, and make your defense pay. And when you put the Eagles no. front up, where they had the advantage pretty much all day, they were getting pressure, you know, constantly because that's what we've been doing all year. It's gonna be a tough task for McCaffrey to run the Wildcat consistently in the second half and lead, you, and lead your team down the field. It's just not gonna happen. So. It was just—it was really tough to watch a team roll over in a conference championship game because they had no other option. They—they they didn't have. They any it were one-dimensional offense. They had to run the ball at McCaffrey, and everyone knew it was coming. And man, that makes your job a lot easier as a defense to yeah. know when when a team's just going to run the football every play yep. to, to to stop it, especially at the professional level. Man, it, it was just—it it was sad. And you know, see, reporter asked George Kittle about you know what what's it like losing when <sighs> you have a quarterback in this in, you know in the conference championship game. I mean, what kind of what kind of question is that, man? What do you think he's going to say? Of course, it's going to feel like garbage, man. You had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you couldn't even put your best foot forward because of things that were out of your control.
1: He was going to be the guy, too, right? I talked about it with you. The uh, game plan through Kittle. Yeah. Who's going to guard him? Yeah, exactly. It was the mismatch. It's going to be the mismatch with Kelsey now against the Eagles, right? He was going to be the guy. He had a chance to really be a a hero in San Francisco.
0: An X-Factor to send him back to the Super Bowl.
1: Yep. And And he uh, didn't get that
0: opportunity. And and it's just
1: such a shame. Because the Eagles
0: absolutely earned their way to the Super Bowl, but man, to not see the 49ers be able to put their best foot forward. It, it, it's 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 frustrating as a fan. It's tough, yeah. It, yeah. Even putting biases aside, because the exactly. like New
1: York fandom. But I know man. some uh, I know some some 49ers fans, right? Old buddy of mine. How do you even feel as a Niners fan? Right? How do you how are you supposed to feel about that? That's like that's the kind of stuff that would happen to Philly, right? Like I, we hey, finally got season? to a playoff game with Carson Wentz. He gets a concussion in the first quarter, uh, and then I have to watch Josh McCown. Uh, for the rest of that game against the Seahawks. At least Josh McCown, I think, it was better than better you yeah, exactly. more of a shot
0: than Josh Johnson exactly.
1: did. Exactly. Um it, it's I'm just trying to relate any way I no, can yeah, I mean yes. Look, it wasn't close and that's that's the part that's so hard because Eagles just, are not, not a twenty four no point different better team. I'm not the Eagles are not a twenty four point differential no, better team. I think the they're a better team. I think if you look at how, how the defense played before Brock uh got hurt, I mean Look, yeah. he got hurt because of because of Hassan Reddick being a beast, right? He he was under duress uh, in he the earlier part of that game, right? That wasn't changing, right? The Eagles have a good defense. I think that point remains. Yes, uh, very and much and, so. and they you know they did shut down everything that that Josh Johnson had, uh, which obviously wasn't much. <laughs> yeah, um, not a lot. Right? They just couldn't tackle on one play, and that's where you get the touchdown. And that drive was a little sustained. I think that was an, an actual uh I think it was a shorter field because we have like the worst punter I've ever seen. Yeah correct. I mean, dude, what is that guy doing? I don't know. And the ball did hit the wire by the way. Yeah, it did. It yeah. did. But obviously, you know, we couldn't discuss uh discuss or discover if the ball hit the wire. What are you talking about? You Come can on. see a trajectory change, but we digress. Yeah, because that really didn't
0: mean anything <laughs> yeah, at I the know. end of the day, because <laughs> about everything else shook out. But man, one point I want to—I really want to talk about here, real quick. We're just a few minutes away from our next break, but yep. it, it's just the whole thing about how you know the Eagles' offense was you know, this dynamic beast. But look, at the end of the day, you have to look at how much the Niners' defense is on the field. I mean, seventy plays. 37 minutes time of possession for the Eagles. I mean, when your defense is out there for over half of the football game, they're going to get tired. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the fatigue factor is definitely something we ought to talk about here. Uh, it's because, well, another great thing I want to talk about here uh, you know, on this point of you know running the football but not the field controlling the clock, I mean, the Eagles definitely had the game plan. They, they ran it to the left side almost every time. Yeah, And they went right at Javon Kinlaw. They recognized that weakness on the, on the Niners'
1: defensive line, and they exploited it all day long. Well, they let my guy, you know, Kelsey... Right, they let him do his thing. He had a couple great blocks on the touchdown runs. He did. Uh, you know, people like like Mylotta, Right, I didn't hear his name the entire game. That's you don't a hear great an offensive lineman's name, you're doing well. And unfortunately, in the uh, fourth quarter, Landon Dickerson seemed shaken up. He did, which he was, was holding that left arm. Very we'll unfortunate. See how now? Luckily for the Eagles, they have a capable backup of and Andre Dillard, who was a capable question mark. Well, he's not a <laughs> liability. I would say I mean, he's not a great. Former first round pick. That he's not great. Has not panned out. Um, yeah, he's look, he'll be there and I might have to watch him in the Super Bowl. But I mean, the what is it, left guard, I believe? Or, yes. Yeah, left guard. So luckily you're on the on the side of the field. You're you're sandwiched between two of the best at their position. Kelsey and, and my are absolutely fantastic. Uh this this offensive line between between Kelsey, Mylotta, and and Lane Johnson, who, by the way, some stones, man, right? Like this man uh not uh, you want to talk about not playing 100%. This guy is not playing 100% and he was outstanding these last 2 weeks. Um just the offensive line is such a strength for this team. Uh even with Dickerson going down, like you said, capable backups. That's that's where this team has invested. That is what, you know, they they based their gold standard phrase off of and it, it's really showing uh down the stretch here. I mean, Hurts is able to do his thing. We talked Burrow, isn't? Jalen Hurts is.
0: Yeah, you know, it's Look, it also helps hurts when you have the best offensive line in of the game. Yeah, that's you have what I'm great saying. weapons to throw the football too, and it's just that. That's just, you know I, I'm not going to say it again because I went down that rabbit hole. But man, it's just frustrating that the Niners could not be able to put their best foot forward and give the Eagles a test. That that's what's bothering me because usually you go to the Super Bowl by getting pushed a little bit, and I'm not saying it's it's not like the Eagles have just. Caked walk their whole way. I mean, they did play a bottom five strength this schedule.
1: And yeah, I mean, they pretty, much, about that? they
0: pretty much did. They did cakewalk their way. But because the only reason little... they
1: did is because, like, I was talking with the— like, I think it's just a down year for the NFL. My roommate's a Giants fan, and this is exactly what I'm going to say. My roommate's a Giants fan. And I said, I said, look, I, I, I think it's not 24 points, but I think the Eagles are definitely better than this 49ers team. And other than that, who's better in the NFC? Who's better? And he he tried to say, the Chiefs are so much better. The Bengals. I'm like, I said the NFC. The Super Bowl is a representative from the NFC and the AFC. Who is better in the NFC? The Eagles absolutely deserve to be there in the sense of they're the best team in this conference. They beat Minnesota. They beat Dallas. They're the
0: best team in a year where the NFC is just not that good. It's not that good at
1: all. I mean, there's two really good teams and that was it. Yeah. I mean, you saw it with the Giants beating the Vikings. I mean, they were the three, but... They're not a great three. No, they were not. And and even if they were, the Eagles beat them 24-7. They whooped them. Yeah. I mean, it was not close. It was not close. And all 24 points were in the first half. So
0: Exactly. But with that, we got to step aside for a second break of our number one. When we come back, further getting into the NFC Championship game between the Niners and the Eagles and how much of a route it was to send the Birds to the Super Bowl. We'll be back momentarily here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back, to Teviers, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack, I'm Mitchell Smedley. We are back, as always, breaking all things NFL down here. We talked about the AFC side of things earlier on in hour number one, but we've been all things NFC here for the past several minutes, and I say for the past 20 minutes, I should say more so. But anyway, I digress. We're back into it. The Eagles won 31-7. We're talking about the injury stuff, uh, you know, some of the officiating. And look, man, I want to I want to get your take on this because I think that roughing the punter was garbage. (laughs) I think Stoll was leading Mason all the way into him. There was there contact. I think it should have been a running, not a roughing.
1: All kinds of things you could have said about it.
0: Yeah, it's just last time I checked, you can't hook a guy. You know, you can't you know bring your arm up and hook him and grab him as he's trying to go. It's just me. I I I thought that maybe be a holding call, but it's not what was called. And at that point, I think the game was pretty much. Kind of out of reach. Anyway, I think it was. But, uh,
1: I think it was when it was still twenty-one-seven in the yeah, third. Yeah, it was quarter. still twenty-one-seven. in The third, which you know, the Niners never put up another point. No, so. they didn't. And you can't make that argument. Well, you know, if that's not called,
0: it completely changes the game. because no, it doesn't. They couldn't throw the ball at that stage of the game anyway. But uh, it's just you know, proper officiating. I think is something that a lot of people are looking for, and it's really the one industry where you cannot be good at your job and not get held accountable uh, for it.
1: Uh, it it's. Unbelievable! It's baffling to me. I don't understand. It's it. the
0: one industry where you could just be terrible at your job, and not have any repercussions. We talk
1: it. about it with uh, Angel Hernandez all the time. Yep. Angel Hernandez, you stink, and I don't
0: like you. Yeah, I mean that that Brewers Phillies game was probably one of the worst umpired games I've ever. Seen. I was I mean, there. Eric Lauer <laughs> looked like a Cy Young caliber pitcher with 13, <laughs> 13 Ks and seven scoreless innings because the strike zone was expanded all night on both sides of the plate. For right-handed, left-handed batters, I mean, good look, uh, just, it's just a good officiating example for how bad you can be and not face any sort of accountability for it. But we got to get back to the Eagles-Niners. Uh, yeah. We talked about the injury stuff. We talked about, uh, you know, the X factors in terms of the Eagles' offensive line control in the game, you know, especially with running the football. They gave, you know, different looks with Gainwell, Sanders, Boston, Scott. Uh, Mighty Mouse. As some people call him "Find the End Zone." Usually, that was the that giant was a name for
1: Darren Sproles. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mighty
0: Mouse was Darren Sproles. Some people calling him that. Yeah.
1: Be, well, because they're both five six. Exactly. Yeah, so. they're they're both tiny. Mike Quick, uh, usually I believe, the Giant Killer Eagles radio announcer says he just runs under people. Yeah, but he <laughs>
0: gets in the end zone here to make it twenty-one-seven at the half. It was a notable play. You know, look, yeah. the Eagles have depth, uh, especially at the skill positions, and that's kind of what given them the edge there.
1: But man. I, Look, I think this, you know, you can talk about these bad plays, these breaks the Eagles got, right? But I think uh, a lot of what separated these two teams, and I cannot believe I'm about to say this (laughs) because Jack knows my feelings on Nick Sirianni. The Eagles were the better coached team on the field. I mean, the Eagles didn't take the back-breaking penalties on third down that gave first downs, right? The Eagles weren't pushing quarterbacks late out of bounds. The Eagles were not throwing Kayvon Wallace to the ground uh, and, and clearing the benches Trent, like that. Trent Williams. That was—we'll get to that. That dude's a mammoth. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles, though, I mean, they were rushing up to the line, and they were throwing their challenge flag when something happened. Uh, I believe it was the—it was ruled incomplete, and then it was ruled the fumble, where Purdy got hurt. Uh, you know, they challenged that, and the Niners didn't challenge the Devontae Smith catch. Okay, okay. Yes, I agree. The Eagles but ran here, up to the
0: line. Here is here is a screenshot I found yesterday of a very interesting point. Of I just don't know why this wasn't used. But the NFL instituted a new rule at the start of the twenty twenty one season, alternately known as the Replay Assist or Expedited Review Rule. You might have heard that a couple of times in a mm-hmm. broadcast this year. It's a newly really implemented thing where you know you maybe see a questionable play on the field. Uh, they get instant looks at it up in the you know review center in New York, uh, the NFL headquarters, uh, and they can you know message back to the referees hey you know take a look at that uh you know something wasn't clean but anyway getting back to it or expedited review view review rule that allows either on-site replay official or a member of the league office in new york city to make a quick reversal when there is immediate clear and obvious evidence that one is necessary to make the process efficient the nfl imported hawkeye replay equipment that pulls in all replays instantaneously rather than waiting for the broadcast number to put them there that's not really the the important part this however is the process has been met with rave reviews and has uh, carved nearly 4 minutes from the average game time but for reasons that were not immediately clear it was not employed in the case of the Devonte Smith fourth down catch because it wasn't immediately now,
1: obvious that he dropped the now, ball
0: you're getting you're getting clips sent back to the league office all angles of that play and the way Devontae Smith reacted after he, in quotes, air quotes, caught that football <laughs> was leading you to believe that he did not catch it. Now, I agree, Kyle Shanahan should have definitely thrown the challenge flag there. Throw the flag! Because when you see a receiver acting like that, he more than likely did not come down with the football cleanly. However, with the expedited review rule, I find it very hard to believe that there was no angle showing that Smith questionably... Uh you know, did not come up with that football i, I, I don't
1: re- find that hard to believe at all because I watched because the there broadcast. was an angle.
0: well, there was an angle that surfaced on Twitter of him clearly from the backside with the football on the ground right now
1: I don't know how the league doesn't have that angle on already to- on uh, on the broadcast though it took them after two commercial breaks to get that angle. I think it was a not like an official angle that they often use for that system or whatever. I don't think that that was like one of their their normal kind. Count- I think from all usual angles it looked it looked inconclusive at least right um at first right if you really delve into it like they uh i believe the the guy they brought in on was it, is it mike pereira on fox yes mike pereira yeah i believe on mike fox. pereira said like you know this is one we have to piece together but it does appear as if he does not catch the ball that was after the next commercial after the touchdown it was in after two commercial breaks, that they finally said, yeah, look at that right there. He dropped it, right? Like, it, it was It was not an expedited one. It wasn't clear and obvious that, that they could just reverse it like that. Shanahan absolutely should have thrown the flag. Absolutely yeah. should have thrown the flag. I don't it's, know. It's on him in that situation.
0: Yes, but I feel like if you're going to implement that new rule and you see a player react that way, you got to at least try to find a way
1: to see if there's an A.O. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. I'm not in the league office. but I think in personally, the language you read. In the language you read in that rule, that it wasn't because it, you can't just base it off a player's reaction. Uh, no, you, you have you to can't. base it off of if there's immediate, uh, you know, reversal, uh, evidence for reversal or whatever. That's what this is for. That's what this is for. Um, you know, it's like those plays where, like, the ball skips into the receiver, right? Where, like, it comes on a bounce and they're like, he caught it. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? It, it's tough. <laughs> but. And then you the know, Eagles, right? On the fumble. Well, ruled an incomplete pass. The Eagles had the challenge flag flag ready to go on the fumble. Uh, and it, it was ruled a fumble and and you know, took the ball out of Purdy's hands. Unfortunately, he suffered the injury on that play. Um and that, that was a that was a key play from uh, Hassan Reddick, who had a career day, by the way. We'll get to it after you we will. There. Well, a quick message from the KU no, and
0: Open Contention, KU community. This is relevant for what we've been talking about for the entirety of the show. Join Ames for a Super Bowl watch party on Sunday, February twelfth beginning at 4 p.m. in McFarland Student Union, room 183. There will be food and giveaways, so be sure to attend and cheer on your favorite team. This message of community interest is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Constantine University, KUR. Heavy hitters, final several minutes of hour number one. We'll be back with hour number two. A lot more to talk about in a different uh, aspect of sports, baseball, college, basketball, plenty more coming your way. So don't go anywhere after hour one, but... 31-7, 31-7 Eagles going to the Super Bowl. They will meet the Chiefs in Glendale, Arizona at State Farm Stadium in the desert. Should be a fun one. Plenty of headlines to talk about. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. It's not, not, not time to go to an in-depth preview here. There's still ways to, no. way to go to this game.
1: We got three more
0: shows after this, yeah. We then. do, we do. But um
1: How about this though? Couple big headlines I mean, though.
0: Kelsey Brothers, Reed versus Philly. A lot to talk about. Isaiah Pacheco grew up just outside of Philadelphia. Did he? And uh I forget Battle what Battle of the it was. MVP in New jersey. Candidates? But I think this
1: is these are the two best quarterbacks in the league, really. Mm. Currently, this year, yeah, it's
0: tough, man. I know it's tough. But.
1: I want to make. Hurts has
0: not had to throw the ball a lot in the
1: playoffs. He threw 120 yards yesterday.
0: Threw 15. He threw 25 <laughs> passes, completed 15, went for a buck 21, and against <laughs> the Giants, he didn't really throw the ball that great either. In terms of just simply shearing, having to do it, only went for a buck 54, threw two touchdowns, but. Only 24 pass attempts. I want to see if the Chiefs can make Hurts throw the football. And I'm not saying Hurts is incapable. By no means am I saying Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, his game manager, yada yada yada. He's had a great year, uh, and he certainly earned you know the, the level of respect that he's gained. I would say, but can can the Chiefs defense make this guy consistently throw the football? Can they you know eliminate the dominance that the run game has had for Philadelphia in, in this run of the Super Bowl? I'm interested to see that. That's going to be a key, I think, point. That should be talked about up till and, and throughout the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. however the game shakes out. But that's got to be, be a, a Chiefs game plan. Try to take out the run
1: game uh, and make Hurts throw it as much as possible. Well, I think it absolutely will be because Andy Reid is the guy that kind of built that style. He's the guy that I believe he was here when Kelsey was drafted. Yep. Uh, he was here when, when uh, we had Jason Peters. Ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was here when that became the the identity of this team was the offensive line and run the football. Um, so I think it's going to be tough for Sirianni to kind of throw wrinkles into that, to not just, not just rely on that, uh, you know, vanilla formula, but to kind of give looks off of it, right? Like we've seen with the QB sneaks where the Eagles, uh, kind of line up, like they're just going to push, uh, Hertz forward and then kind of run it out to the left, right? Or or, or to the right, you know, there's little wrinkles that it's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to game planning because Andy Reid knows this, this, the kind of framework of this team better than anyone. He knows, the the teams Howie Roseman's built in the past. He knows uh some of these players and, and I think it's really gonna be an interesting thing. Um back to the NFC championship game though, Jack I mean, we're talking about all these contrary it just it was one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. Doesn't take away from the fact that the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl and I, I obviously sound less enthusiastic today than when the Phillies went to the World Series. By the way, me and Jack had a little uh I asked Jack if he thought over under two and a half times I mistake the word Super Bowl for World Series you've done a uh, good job I haven't done it yet we I've took the under whole nother hour ago right now looking good right now yeah so Jack's looking to cash out here so but um Mitch, I mean it's it's really interesting though because you, you were here when the Phils went right? yeah yep and I' will I'll ask you if that's more painful now like seeing it probably is right watching two championship runs in the same year <laughs> nah, Philly's one definitely stung more than, the, than yeah. the Eagles yeah so I mean it's just really uh I don't want to say I'm getting used to it. I wouldn't say stung, though, because they didn't win. But no. anyway, I'm not getting used to this feeling uh, because we haven't won anything yet. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely more measured, A, because the Phillies, it, that hadn't happened yet. We had the Super Bowl in 2017, right? I, I hadn't been conscious for a Phillies World Series run. So that was exciting. But you remember, I had the bell in here. I was like, Aah! Yeah, you were going crazy. Yeah, and this one, it's just like, you know, it's, it's it awesome. It would have been disappointing if you lost this game. It would have been very disappointing, but like it was interesting how doubt. much this team was built up for this run. The yeah, feeling like the Boston Scott touchdown, obviously, honestly felt like the moment where we went to the Super Bowl. And I was like, it's kind of, it's not even halftime. No, and honestly, what like, we you, didn't have, you <laughs> didn't have this signature moment where it's like, yeah, this is the way we
0: emphatically punched our ticket. We didn't have
1: the Harper home run. You were on cruise control.
0: Yeah. We didn't it, have the Harper was, home It was, you know, run. from the second quarter, but from the time Brock Purdy got hurt to the end of the game. The Eagles had it in the bag. Exactly. There was no doubt that right. the Eagles were going to win, uh, th- 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 that the Niners had a chance to come back and even make that a game.
1: And I didn't even see Brock Purdy leave the field because I was uh, I was walking out getting the dominoes <laughs> when, when that happened. Right? Uh, you know, I, I brought the dominoes back, and everyone's like, he's hurt! Brock Purdy's hurt! I was like, are you kidding? I missed that. Here's your pizza, everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it's just... <sighs> One more World Series note, check. What? Last time the Eagles were in and, and won the Super Bowl in 2017... The World Series champion was the Houston Astros. Interesting, interesting, very interesting. So, man, but dun, dun. one one more point. Yeah, go
0: man, it. it's just it just frustrates me, man. Philly fans in general, like it's just That's I gotta say do. this. Yeah. I gotta say this. You do, man. It's just you know you guys have the song "No One Likes Us." We don't care, whatever. Blah blah blah. No one likes it. Yeah, it's because you for good reason. No, you give no one you likes give people so. reasons not to like you. Oh, I wonder why no one likes us. Well, maybe because we're obnoxious and arrogant every time you win. Act like you've won before. That's what I feel like I'm
1: doing this time, right? Like I came in ringing the bell as time. Yeah, yeah act man. like you've won
0: before, and maybe people won't dislike you so much. I feel like I've been pretty measured today. Yeah, right? you have.
1: Yeah, you have. I gave I'm you actually one eagle chant when you, you walked in yeah, the door.
0: Yeah, I was expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah, one I knew Eagle's it was chant. I but haven't like, even done it on air. Like every, like, like even <laughs> casual, uh, casual Eagle fans, man, they have no idea how to act. They just don't. What do you it, mean? Like, not, and New York, not York does? Not you. Like you're like you're like a through and through like you're loyal, but like yeah. you know, you're you're loud and that's just who you are as a person. It's not <laughs> ego specific. You're just a very, you know, outspoken, I wouldn't say like in a bad way, but you're just loud. You're passionate. I'm outgoing. And I'm eccentric. It's just to me, man, like you know, look, New York gets the rap of being, you know, cocky and arrogant too. It's not that they yes. don't have that narrative. But you know what, when we win. We've won four Super Bowls for the Giants. We know that we've won before. And, like, let's say, for example, we would have went on the miracle run and somehow won this year, which <laughs> we knew wasn't going to happen. But let's just say we yeah. did. Would Giant fans be crazy and they go nuts? Yeah, because we're, we were an underdog story. But we've won before. We've, we have know that we've won before, and we've kind of acted like we won before. So I'm not yeah. saying that New York is in a higher class than Philadelphia. But, man, when when our two teams win, I feel like we do act a little differently.
1: I mean, we kind of have both a light fan base thing going. Both
0: fan bases – have fans that act crazy. Yes. That's not a discussion. Every fan base has that. Um, but when you have two of the more bigger fan bases and passion fan bases in all of sports. And
1: I love that they're so close, by the way, to yeah, each other. Exactly. Geography. It just makes it great. But, but yeah. yeah, man. It's it's awesome to be a Phillies fan because it just
0: gets under my skin because y'all don't know how to act when you win. You mm-hmm. go you go crazy, you do stupid you don't have to go to the Super Bowl and I you're tearing understand the city apart. All of this. And you're I, tearing the city apart. Like I, what are you doing?
1: I understand. You have not even won anything yet. I understand all of this but when you're a Philly fan, and you and the team is winning, even when the team's losing, but mostly when the team's winning, the feeling of camaraderie between the fans, I would argue, is probably unmatched anywhere else. Like we know that everyone else hates us, and yeah, that's that's because what we do, right? But we take responsibility for being crazy and and insane, and we know that we we are all that each other has. Well, Mitch, we'll talk about this yes, on the flip side go. of our
0: break. We'll talk about this. Wrap it up in hour number two. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Number two of heavy hitters. Eagles are going to the Super Bowl edition of Heavy Hitters. Telling Jack I can't believe a World Series and a Super Bowl within three and a half months of each other. That's beautiful. Magical. Hurts the soul a little bit. Hurts the soul? Yeah. <laughs> Hurts the soul. Man.
0: I was talking to my friend about it. My, my buddy Nate, who's <laughs> he's a very hybrid fan of teams. You would be like, what? What? Give me the rundown. Eagles. Okay. Flyers. Yes. Braves. And? Uh, He's he's a Georgia fan for college football. Oh, my God. Now, he's not a bandwagon. He does have family who's from there. He better. He has family from there. He's been down there plenty of times. And uh, crazy story, I actually got him to be a Braves fan. Okay, first I got of it. Okay, all, so Second I, of all, why okay, would you do that? Okay, so here's here's the quick little story. Brief we're not going to go too much into <laughs> yeah. this, but brief story. Um, it was like 2018, 2019 ish, and I got him into baseball pretty much. The long mm. and short of it is, I got him into baseball, and he asked who he should be a fan of. Well, I'm like. Well, you should be a Braves fan over the Phillies, and uh, he's like, "Okay, yeah, I can get into that." So
1: I can get into that I, I as got,
0: they win a World Series in, in the next couple of years. It's not like yeah. he to on the year before and then they won. It's like, "Oh yeah, let's go!" Like he was he was a Braves fan for a couple of years before they won, so it's not like it's just instant bandwagon. Really, activity. it was just the pandemic but, years, and then bam, yeah. So winner, I got him into a Braves fan now. He's now he loves baseball. It's, it's his favorite sport, and if he's listening, I don't know if he is, but um, some Nate? Yeah, something name, man. Hope you're doing well. But uh hope you're having a good go day. Go Birds. Work. But yeah, he he would be saying that. That ain't me. You ain't never catch me see that. I say. said that one time in my life and that's it. When was it? Uh when the Eagles played the Pages in the Super Bowl. Ah, did you say the words go birds? Um I don't think I said those words, but I was heavily rooting for the Eagles. Did you give me an E A G L E S? I believe I did. Because okay. I was at a party with some old friends.
1: Yeah. Wait, so as a Giants fan, why would you root for your division rival?
0: <sighs> I was just so sick of Brady, man. Like, I just did not want to see them win again. Look, I'm gonna be honest. They beat Atlanta the year before, and I was so pulling for Atlanta. And I'm like, Dude, me too. I cannot, situation. I cannot see him win again. I cannot actively root for them to win again. And also, the Eagles were a really good story that year. Yes, they were. That, that played a big part of me rooting for them, but because, just because everything they went through, they were the underdog type of thing, and it was just kind of easy to rally around, despite being my rival.
1: If the Giants or or Dallas ooh, was in the Super Bowl against like my most hated AFC team, probably probably the Patriots. There's no chance I'm rooting for them. Really? I don't care. Yeah. No. Wow. No. I think I heard a Dallas sucks chant at the at the link yesterday on the broadcast. I just
0: hated the Patriots so much. I, I just did. Me too, man. There was just so much animosity towards them for me. I know. Well, it was great to have you along because I like the Steelers too, and it's just like I it's a comp- do not complex like the Steelers. Story. It's a complex story, so I'm not going to go into it. It's a really interesting
1: story, but uh, Eagles. So I want to talk. We talked a little bit about the uh, Chiefs playmakers, and you know. It was a complete team effort yesterday, but uh, look, the Eagles, their defense was locked down too. Look, I know that they were just running it for most of it too. Okay. Let me build this. Well, well, no, 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 no. Let me build this. Okay, you're going
0: to say the Eagles were a shutdown defense when they had to play a quarter of football where they had to face a dynamic potential offense.
1: Played a shutdown quarter. Yeah.
0: Okay, it was 7-7 after that quarter.
1: No, it wasn't. Yes,
0: it was. Touchdown came in the second quarter. quarter. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. whatever
1: Dude. Oh, oh so it was 7-7 only helps my argument because it was 7-7 into the second quarter it was 7-7 in the it was 7 nothing after the first quarter and the McCaffrey broke like you know a million times early in the second made it 7-7 it was a
0: game and then Josh Johnson came in and we we, we ran all this down already i'm not going to give the eagles defense credit for playing a quarter in less than a half of football where they had to face a You know, an offense that could pass and throw the football? No, I'm not. Is it
1: possible? Is it possible? When you're that
0: talented on defense, that's what you should do when you have an offense who can't throw the football for most of
1: the game. Is it possible that a 10 year veteran in Josh Johnson couldn't get anything going with his offense? No, because because he barely an NFL quarterback. Disrupted him. And his team and everything about the Niners. And I mean all beginning. level of
0: disrespect to Josh Johnson. He is not an NFL quarterback and should not be in an NFL football field, especially in a conference championship game. Especially? Whatever. Especially.
1: Uh, <laughs> Did you not see Hassan Reddick introducing himself like every other play? Get Cox, when, you, when you lead Devo. the league in sacks,
0: you should get there when you've gotten there all day. Brandon and, Graham. And one of your biggest defensive plays wasn't even a play that the defense forced. Which one? Because the quarterback just dropped a snap that was in his hands. Oh. Well, we still Come on. It. still got it. Oh, wow. It takes all the talent in the world oh, wow. to dive on a loose football.
1: <laughs> it does.
0: Gee whiz. Congratulations. Here you go. Here's a, a trophy for whiz. recovering a fumble that was blatantly on the ground. There you go.
1: <laughs> I tried. Steak dinner. Tried Steak everybody. dinner for
0: going, going on and landing on a football.
1: Tried everybody. Tried to get tried to nothing. the
0: defense. Fine. I'm not going to say they're not a good defense. They're a very good defense. They are. The stats back they it up. They controlled that it's, game. It's, it's, it's true. But you want me to sit here and say, oh, the Eagles, man, this, this defense, woo, 85 Bears level? Like, no, I'm not going to say that. That's what it looked like yesterday. Because they played a team. Teams are afraid to throw it on them. Who it no, yeah, afraid <laughs> to throw it on them because they're physically incapable of throwing the football.
1: Even if they threw it, Jack. You got Slay waiting there, Bradbury, you got Maddox is healthy now, CJ, By the way, GJ. Maddox so
0: should have got a penalty for, for running in there on CMC when two guys are pushing backwards already, but mm, I digress. Maybe. What do you mean maybe? Maybe. You have Edwards, Edwards, and, um. oh, who is it? Since when did TJ Edwards become a good player? Was it Edwards or... I sleep through something? It was Edwards and somebody else. I don't know if it was Epps or maybe it was Graham. I think it might have been Graham. But they were both driving him backwards, and then Maddox just sprints in from like... <sighs> Seven to ten yards back and just rams right into McCaffrey, and there's no penalty called at all. I'm like, What? I'm like, Anyone else that's a late hit. Speaking of defense, if the Niners did that, that's a 15 yard penalty, maybe an ejection, but it's like, No, I'm just kidding. Not Speaking an ejection, of defense, but, real
1: quick, we were watching Super Bowl uh, and NFC Championship highlights before the game yesterday, all gathered in the living room. And uh, you know who I forgot about from that 2017 run? Corey Graham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a weird player, man. Yep. But he always seemed to have an interception. He was like, for some reason, very important, just not really. The you know one year I
0: mean? Alshon Jeffrey had a star year. <laughs> the one-off yes. Jeffrey year.
1: The one off Aguilar year. Dude, I'll never forget this. one-offs. On oh, I'll never forget
0: this, and I'll give it to you real quick after the KUR notebook. Attention, KU community. Stop by Table B and the McFarland Student Union on Tuesday, February seventh from nine AM to two PM to honor National Black HIV and AIDS Awareness Day. Free HIV testing will be available with no appointment needed. You will receive your confidential results on the same day. Together, we work to overcome structural barriers to HIV testing. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Stanley Diversity, K-U-R. Welcome back to Aviators, everybody. We are going through the NFL. I wouldn't say wrapping up. I don't know where this discussion is really going. We were talking about a lot of different things. Talking about Alshon Jeffrey. We're talking about Alshon Talk Jeffrey. About Corey
1: Graham today.
0: The Eagles will go to the Super Bowl, and I bring up Corey Graham. One of the things I'll never forget was the year after they won. Oh, no. Is that Eagle fans were going crazy. They're like, dude, Alshon Jeffrey, man. He's the guy. He's like the next W. Signed him for four he's, years. He's the next wide receiver one. He's going to be the guy to take over this league for the next years to come. And I'm like, I was telling them all oh, they were dead wrong. I'm like, I was like, there's no chance Alshon Jeffrey going to be a prominent receiver, uh, especially wide receiver one, uh, over the next couple of years. I had a shirzy. Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, I don't blame me. He had a sick year, the, the you know, that, that Super Bowl year, but after that, man, that dude was not the same.
1: Uh, he was good in twenty eighteen until he the last good. play. Until the last play at the Saints game. Till the drop, and it's intercepted by Lattimore. Pain. I was upset. Because I think Pain. I thought the Saints were the best team in the league that year. If we won that, I didn't think there was anyone we, we couldn't beat. I think it's crazy. Oh. If the Rams got there If the Saints got there Man that Saints Patriots Super Bowl Would have been great The Saints were the best Team that year I think they would have won I think they would have won But you can't make that Argument because You can't because They didn't get there Because of pass interference, fear it's <laughs> Defense <laughs> the,
0: the Cal- No it wasn't called It should have been called But it wasn't Yeah Nickel Roby Coleman Never forget Down at the
1: goal Former Eagle. Oh yeah Forgot about that Um, So I, I tried convincing Jack that the uh, Eagles defense Was awesome yesterday uh, To be fair They did stop the run
0: they played well, but it's not like I'm just going to sit here and, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Eagles defense. Hey, man. Hey, you guys had to play a full four quarters yesterday. A uh, you know, firepower
1: offense that was totally two-dimensional for most of the game. I'm just, I'm just sitting here looking like at the at the roster, and it's like, what's the weakness here? Punter? Is that it? Well, that
0: could be a big, big point. It could be a big problem. Because you know, you're going up against – If you can't flip the
1: field efficiently uh, – You're going against Townsend.
0: Yeah. right. If you so, can't flip the field efficiently – and put the Chiefs in favorable field position consistently, probably not going to go well for Let's you. Let's get a new punter. Rip, rip. I hear Maher's available. S- Sipos, man. What? Sipos? Oh, yeah. Course. What happened to him? that <laughs> the Giants game where he ran down the sideline and got tattooed
1: <laughs> off the block pun? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when Honestly, he picked it up out of his, out of his own end it zone? He picked up out of the end zone and scampered down the sideline before he got rocked. So I still have no idea. I have to go back and watch the play. How was the punter, the one who kicked the ball? The closest to be able to run over and get it. That never made sense to me. I, I, there was just people blocking the whole way,
0: and Siposh just darted over, scooped it up on a bounce, and just darts down the side before he got He almost the got there. He almost got the first down before he got absolutely trucked. He got hit-sticked out of bounds, and that dude was carved off the field, unfortunately. I'm very sorry for that it happened, Mr. Siposh, but... Did you see a punter run down the sideline with a football in his hands? <laughs> it was just so funny. It, to me. it was like <laughs> it was like something Madden It's like it was you like know, something
1: Pat McAfee would do. Yeah, it's like are we, are we watching NFL football? Oh, wait, and wait a was that the right name? The sideline? Who was that punter? Colts? Uh, was it McAfee? It probably was. I think
0: yeah. Right. Remember the Rams and Johnny Hecker used to do all the fake punts all the time. Yes.
1: Yeah. Johnny Hecker. I always thought that was a good name for, for a punter. Right? It was. It's FCC he was a good friendly, punter too, right? You know, it's...
0: I remember a couple years ago when they were doing, like, the videos of, like, the in-depth, like, punting, like, of how you get the spin on the football to, like, make it, like, spin so much, like a helicopter, mm.
1: and, like, how it'd be, like, such crazy punts. Man. Remember the watermelon kick? It was, yeah. Uh, was that Maher? Maybe. I Ooh. think it was for Dallas. Yeah. Against the Falcons.
0: Yes. Was that an onside?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because
0: uh, they came back and won that game. I think it was yes. Maher. Might not have been Maher at the time, but whoever the Cowboys I kick think it was, was Maher. So So anyways,
1: or or was it Zerline? I think it was Zerline. It could have been. I don't know. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, so
0: one of the many kicking options Dallas has
1: had. But where is the weakness on this Eagles team though, Jack? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. We'll, I think, we'll find out. Look, and I'll, I'll do one what? brief minute of Super Bowl talk because now we've talked about both matchups. If you've ha- if you've been living under a rock, you now know it's the Eagles versus the Chiefs. Uh we can debate. Who's the better quarterback? Eagles have the better receivers. Eagles have the better offensive line. Eagles don't have the better defensive line. There. Eagles have the better secondary. Uh, all right, give the punter to the Chiefs. Uh, but so the the Eagles have the better Chiefs. running game. Uh, Eagles have – what am I missing? What am I missing? I think that's uh, – Eagles have the better running same.
0: game, but don't discredit Isaiah. Better okay. tight end for the Chiefs. I was going to say, if you said Dallas got and Travis Kelsey,
1: I was about to lose it. thought about it. Uh i no, I'm to kidding. i kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I just think it's, it's, I'm going through the matchups, right? And it's like, I've done it for both games and it's been true. Who's your, I have a question. Who's your least favorite Eagle? Like that consistently plays. It can't be some backup. Uh, well he got hurt. The, he got hurt week one. Derek Barnett. Okay. Well, who's currently playing on this team? Currently on this team? A lot Mm. of Eagle fans don't like Derek Barnett. Uh, Yeah, that's, it's an easy answer. Yeah. Um, oh man. Trying to think of who's like who's a guy
0: that you see him on the field and it's just like dang, I really don't like this guy, whether it's just play or maybe as a person. I don't
1: know if there is one. I, I, oh, I, I have one. I, I kind of just question why Reed Blankenship exists. <laughs> Reed Blankenship, <laughs> uh, I, what I do you think mean, the after, dude, what the dude who got trunked by Davis Webb. I think after this week, I think after this week, it's uh, Brett Kern. <laughs> Current. <laughs> yeah. Oh come on! Do you pick the punter? Yes. That's such a weasel answer. He's awful. Uh, such a weasel right. answer. I, I think obviously I'm skirting around it. Uh, there there is an obvious answer. I I've been really elude. Yes. Okay. From all year, Jalen Hurts. Oh, I can't yes.
0: stand him. Okay. Okay. I should have seen that coming. He,
1: and he's, he might win me a Super Bowl. You, and he you know like, who's
0: mine. My least favorite quarterback in Eagles. You know my life. I think I might have already said this, but you know who's mine. Uh, I forget.
1: In the secondary. Oh, is it, uh, it's not Gardner Johnson, is it? No. No? I forget. Bradbury. Oh, well, he was a giant. I hate that guy. He was a giant. I hate that guy. I could have totally seen that coming. But, yeah, I can't (sighs) stand Jalen Hurts. We're going to move on. Yeah, You know who it was before Jalen Hurts? Everyone knows. Jason Peters. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't stand The old man. (laughs) Any good play. Holding. Offense number 71. (laughs) Ten-yard penalty from the previous spot replay third down
0: oh my goodness that's so
1: funny goodness bring him back no (laughs) is he a fossil yet (laughs) put him in a museum oh my goodness okay Uh, he has a ring too yeah (laughs) it's crazy he didn't even play (laughs) he got his back up big v
0: (laughs) oh that's too funny that's too funny drives
1: me up the wall
0: All right, we're gonna move on. We gotta talk a little bit MLB here. (laughs) We mentioned at the top of the show in hour number one, the season rapidly approaching, less than twenty days. So pitchers and catchers report, less than a month away from spring training. Mitch, the season is upon us. It's that time. time. Yep, time to get excited. The the NL East, normal said the NFCs, but we 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 managed to get through. We
1: we got through there. You think the Phillies are making a Super Bowl run?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. What Bryce Harper on a football field. I'd be interested to see what happens. Oh, he'd
1: go absolutely insane, bro. He'd be a... What would he be? A wide receiver? Probably. Probably. He's a diva. He is. He's, he is. <laughs> hey, you admitted it. Yeah. He's a diva. He's, a, he's like the good diva, though, you know? No. Uh, this is my house. I don't know if anyone is labeled a good diva. What was like the arm motion he did on second base in that, that championship series? Like, my house. I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't I don't. know. You remember
0: that clip? I do, but I don't exactly yeah. remember the gesture he made. I want to... I anyway. Remember. Anyways. Uh, real quick, we are approaching our first break of the second hour. Um, MLB, I think it's a good thing to talk about a little bit. Brief offseason winners, yeah. maybe some surprise guys you can mention for, for some upcoming teams. Josh Harrison. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, is he going to be a, a big-time player? No, he's coming off the bench. So yeah. We'll see. $2 he's a good versatile man. guy. He's a versatile guy, but...
1: It's like the Nick Maton move, you know what I mean? Oh, he's better than Nick Mayton. Yeah, just those little pieces, right? So we we gave away Nick Maton, upgraded, right? This Phillies team just keeps getting better. And Nick Maton went to Detroit, right? Uh, yeah, that, in uh in in yeah, in the trade for Soto. I'm developing trade. a crush on uh, Dave Dombrowski. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Would you give him a hug if you saw him? Who wouldn't, dude? It's the Phillies executive. Of course
0: I'd hug him. I don't know. I yeah. don't know if I was an executive. If i like all that contact. I should get a Dombrowski jersey. A league of contact. <laughs> Defense. <laughs> Five-year penalty, automatic first down. Where did that come from? You know, hugging a guy? You know, oh, oh little contact. Yeah, little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. contact. Yeah. Yeah,
1: where, yeah, where the, uh, who was it, A.J. Brown got, like, spun around yesterday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> legal contact, defense, five-year penalty, automatic first down.
1: There were a bunch of those yesterday.
0: Well, with that, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit MLB and then wrap up the show with a little college basketball talk. It's a crazy weekend. Saturday's crazy Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, number two fell in dominant fashion. We'll talk about all of that and more on the flip side of this break here on Heavy Hitters. And we are back again here in a 10 o'clock hour, hour number two of today's show. As always, tune in Mondays and Wednesdays live from 9 to 11 a.m., our new time for the semester. But Mitch, it's so great to be back here in our second week of doing the show. It's awesome. Only had a Wednesday show last week because we were kind of getting reacclimated on that Monday. Didn't really make sense to do the Monday show for our, for our schedules. But it's so great to be here on this Monday. We talked all things NFL in hour one and coming over in hour number two. But we are shifting our focus. MLB, we mentioned the season on the horizon. Maybe some off-season winners and potential losers. Um, But I found a couple interesting articles we could probably go through. Please do. Uh, talk about. Using uh, some just some third-party material. Yeah, interesting headlines here. Uh, You know, a couple contracts you got to talk about in the NL East. And I nearly just did it again, but we made it through. And my goal is today to not trip up the NFL and the MLB together. You with the Super Bowl and the World Series, me with the NL East and the
1: NFC East. I don't know why I think about the East and just my mind darts to NFC. You know, Jack, they become really simil- similar when you realize Philadelphia is champions of both.
0: Let's see if to. they can actually win the, the, the title in the respective hey, sport this time. we've
1: gotten further than we did in the World Series, all right? We're one game away from the title now instead of two. <laughs> That's progress. Completely different. <laughs> I was going to be so disappointed if we were two wins away both times. That would have been so funny. Uh, that would funny. That would not have been funny. I would have cried. It would have been
0: funny for me. Yeah. Because that means I don't get to see Philadelphia win a championship. And makes me less sad.
1: Apparently, uh, 1983, I want to say.
0: Can I just see a win from one of my teams, please? I know I've seen the Giants win a couple. But please, other teams, step yeah. up and win for me.
1: I think the uh, 1983, all four of the big four Philadelphia teams went to the championship and only... One of them won. It was the Sixers. <laughs> yeah. Flyers, Flyers lost the Cup. Eagles lost the
0: Super Bowl. And the Phillies lost the World Series. It's in the, 70s. In the <laughs> same year. <laughs> Been since the 70s since the
1: Flyers have won. I know. Long so. time. Yeah. I, I, that's the next one I'd be so. Like, I need the Phillies to win a, a World Series. But, like, that's the next one I need to see the Flyers get to is, like, if they get to a Stanley Cup, man, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I mean, had a DJ chance. The, cup. Of course, the Islanders fine. ruined it. Yeah, we did, baby.
0: Woo! Let's yeah. go Islanders, man. All right. A couple of tidbits to talk about before we break down some, uh, you know, some articles against varying opinions. Mets and Jeff McNeil is a couple days old, but they agreed to a four-year, $50 million contract with an option at a fifth-year. Great contract for New York. I mean, 12.5 AAV for the reigning NL batting champion. I McNeil's mean, got great back-to-ball skills. He spreads the ball all, all, all over the field. Uh, he's just a true hitter, man. The guy just knows how to hit the baseball. And uh, he, you know, he's a great guy. He's a guy I think that gets under the skin of the other teams in the division. I do not like him. Yep. Yeah. You, you and you, and my buddy Nate, both do not like Jeff McNeil. I don't like, like, Jeff, like McNeil. Jeff McNeil,
1: and it's like you know, Pete Alonzo irritates the living hell out of me. Right.
0: Yep. Jeff McNeil's got to be the guy. He, he just does. runs it the wrong way. Like man. like he's, he's second gritty guy. He's that gritty guy. McNeil's just that gritty guy. Does you know all the fundamental things pretty well. And he's just a passionate player, man. I I love Jeff and I love that he's re-upped with the Mets. It's not like Alonzo
1: where he just hits home runs against the Phillies, right? It's, yeah. It's the the lead-taking singles, right? Yes. The RBI singles. It's like yep. st- ah!
0: <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> man. He just puts the ball in play, gets on base, gets those big hits, man. He did it against the Padres in a lone win. He had that bases clearing hit. Yep. Oh man, he just always finds the way finds a way uh to get get to get those yeah. big back breaking hits, whether it be a single, a double. Just love that man. It's so great. Just, Four more years. Four more years.
1: Jeff team. Four more years. And
0: I love it. And I love it. Great. Woo.
1: Yeah. Keep. keep I'm going. so happy. Keep. Keep loving your team. That's just gonna run it back with the same lineup. We got better rotational wise, and no one can convince me
0: otherwise. We got Tommy Pham. Our Our starting rotation's better than it was it, last year. It might be. I mean, oh, I'm guaranteeing.
1: Dude, all your pitchers are like I'm thirty-seven seven and up, dude. Not two of them. Uh, Verlander and Scherzer. Verlander and Scherzer. How old are the others? like 34, Quintana's 35.
0: 33 or 34, maybe. Coming off one of the best years of his career last year. Um, let's see. Carrasco's 35, but he's our five starter, so yeah. it's like, it's like, like not whatever. expecting big things out of him. And Sanga's the young guy. And so. Sanga's yeah, Sanga's the guy like so juicy Your out.
1: bullpen, like D-Rob, right? Um, yeah, he's older. He's older. But we have a lot of bullpen old. options. Our bullpen got better. Um, Ours got better or better or I'd say
0: slightly better you got a couple better options. I think Soto's a much better option than what you had in the 7th, you know, 8th inning and maybe closing out games than you had last year. I don't love the Kimbrell signing. I think he's kind of, you know... He, he's a
1: 6th or 7th inning guy.
0: He, he's reached what he's been able to do and now, especially with the Dodgers last year, I think the guy's starting to fade out a little bit and he's getting definitely closer towards the end. But for me, look, the NL East is going to be fun again. It's going to be a fun three-team race. Awesome, it's going to be must see TV, must watch baseball from late March to the end of October, and even throughout maybe November if one of the teams get back to the World Series, whoever it may be. And maybe none of the three teams do. Who knows? We still, have, I mean, the season's not even here yet. There's still a lot to be excited about, though, however, for these three teams. It's going to be a fun race all throughout pretty much majority of the year. I mean, that's what's so great about baseball. It goes from, you know, February, spring training, if you're, you know, a diehard fan uh, that starts following then, like we do, uh, you know, all the way till November uh it's just a sport that takes up so much of your time so much year and that's why it's so easy
1: to get behind for me at least it but is and it's, it's what um i'm it's what so you live for man. it's what i'm so thankful to the to the phillies for going out and signing harper for uh back in 2019 because like that made spring training for me must watch tv and ever since that 29 uh 29 that 19 preseason right that 2019 preseason. I've been like now. I love spring training. I love the. I love following the storylines. Yep. Seeing the hitters before it matters. Right. I. I love all that. Seeing. The I want pitchers. to take a trip
0: down to spring training one year. Dude, i i, I went dad. to a
1: I went to a, a game in Clearwater. Yeah. Uh, Phillies. Oh my god, it was actually Phillies Astros. Wow. <laughs> this isn't like 2011.
0: At least Astros. That's crazy.
1: That hurts me. And and you know, it's so like. Back with the, I think the Astros still only NL at that point. Yeah, little tiny me, right, would get so upset about like the littlest things. And I heard like this, I, I think they were like a little brother and sister, like across the ballpark. You know how it's like small ballparks down yeah. there? Yeah. Across the ballpark. So you could hear them and just in their little, you know, tiny little way, let's go Astros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never oh. forgot that memory. And I got so worked up it in October you. that I never like thought back to it. And now that I have, it's like,
0: did you hear that in your sleep after the Astros won? No, I
1: did. I think I blocked it. I I blocked your, your everything like that Your brain just blocked out. it. Yeah, but now it's like, okay, we're in the Super Bowl. It's safe to remember.
0: Yeah, it's, another one of your teams has made the champion. That's has made the no has made the Astros. title game. So. <laughs> oh. but yeah, man, it's just look. I love baseball. Yeah. Get up for it every day. Love talking about yep. baseball all the time. I could talk about it so much. But I mean. Whew. It's so exciting for the three-team NL East race. It's going mean, to be so cool. It's the best division in the league. The, the AL East is the only other division that sniffs it. You can say the NL West and the Dodgers and the Padres. But That's a that, two-team race. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I think the D-backs are a sleeper team to watch for, in not in terms of pushing those two teams, but to push for wildcard. I said it last week. Um... Certainly, a young up and coming team with a lot of good prospects West there. West
1: is okay. Mariners Astros and Mariners, and and I'm
0: not sold on the Rangers.
1: No, you know, you're, I'm not sold on the on the Rangers. I'm not sold on the Angels. Right? I no, wish. Not at all. I wish they would have gone all in with this one more year of uh, of Shohei. Really it wish they would have.
0: I would have like to seen it too. Just didn't happen. Just didn't happen. Um, I think. I think Ohtani's gone. Oh, I hundred percent agree. Especially with the owner not selling the team now, he's probably going to go to the Mets. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love it. Shohei in the Big Apple. Ugh. Ugh. One of the best uh, talents. I'm not basing ever.
1: that off anything, but I just know how my life goes.
0: <laughs> so, and you know how deep Steve Cohen's pockets are. Yeah, I do. Dude can pay pay for pretty much anything. Honestly, I'm trying to
1: figure out my uh, like my Trey Turner level call. You know, what I mean? like I called that from oh, like
0: great. Great point May. bringing that up.
1: Spark in my mind. Yeah. We're going to have a debate. Oh, we are. For the next 10 minutes. We're going to
0: bring it to 40, and we're going to shift to college basketball. Okay. Thank you for drawing my memory because I saw this, and I knew you would adamantly disagree. Okay. All right. So, MLB Network I every love year. Disagreeing, at, at this I think. point, at this point of the year, they, they do top 10 positional rankings. And they have an analytical crew on that consists yeah, of. Yeah, I've you know, seen them. I've, I've yeah. seen
1: I've been getting the headlines. And they jacked. do
0: top 10 shortstops, right?
1: Yeah. yeah With Brian
0: him. Kenny and a bunch of other people. Number By the way, Brian Kenny Trey hates Turner. Francisco Lindor, But, um, well, according to the Analytical Cruise, um, number one was uh, Lindor. Yep. Not on the list I saw. No, no. The, the, the MLB Network's official list that came out has Turner at one. Um, yeah, I saw Lindor the MLB five. Network. Lindor, yeah. at five. Yeah, Lindor at five. Yeah, Lindor at five. But like, five. they do like a uh, like, – uh, I don't know what the show is called, but they do like a one-hour special where they bring mm. on these three people. Uh, it's, I, I'm just trying to think of what the show is called, but I'm blanking. It's blanking my mind. But anyway, mm. uh, I think it's MLB Now or something. Okay. But – they, have, they do this thing, and they bring on analytically based people, and they go through their top 10 positional rankings, and they, they do the shortstop one. Yeah. It was time for the shortstop one. And the three, like analy- oh, I wouldn't say they're fully analyt- analytically driven, but they do base a lot of stuff off of that, I would say. Um, They all had Lindor at one, where Why? the guy who hosts the show had Lindor at seven. Because that's where he belongs. No, 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 no.
1: What? Oh, seven? You think he's seven? Are you out of no, your mind? No, I think he's five. I think, Five? I think he's the who's better. Correa, Turner, Bogarts, and I think he's he might be better than Dansby.
0: <sighs> oh my God!
1: What? Dansby
0: Swanson. You, you just I wanted to get he's under your skin. Dansby Swanson. I wanted
1: to get under your skin a little bit. I'm sorry. <sighs> let's let's take it. Padres shortstop
0: is not better. I'm taking Lindor over Bogarts. As an all-around player. Philly's shortstop is better. You can have the debate. He's better. There's a debate He's to be better. had. He's better. Uh, There's a debate to be had. I mean, Lindor's an elite defender. Turner's not. And I'm saying Turner's a what? bad defender. He's a good defender.
1: Good. Turner's an elite hitter. Not He's great. got elite speed. Okay. Turner is, is an all-around better is player.
0: Is he a better hitter? Yes. Yes. Especially in average. Lindor's got more pop. Lindor is a better, I think, all around more valuable player to the Mets. Are you saying
1: Lindor is a better hitter?
0: No. Oh, no. okay. I was going to. Turner's say a better hitter. Yeah. But in terms of being an all around hitter, but Lindor is a better power hitter than 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 Turner is. Turner has pop. He does. I'm not saying he's incapable of hitting home runs, but I think Lindor is a more power capable bat. If he puts him, I'm saying if Lindor has years like he has last year consistently for the Mets, I think. He is an all-around better shortstop than Trey Turner. Mm. If he's putting up 25-plus homers, 100-plus RBIs, and 800-plus OPS, and putting a 4-plus war up every year for the Mets. What was Turner's line for uh, the Dodgers? Hitting three, hitting 300. He's a better average hitter. Yeah. How Don't many worry. homers? Uh, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Pull it up. By the way, we were talking to the Chiefs defense earlier. They were
1: ranked 11th this year. Yeah. In this that's that's yeah. I meant to say it earlier. but Between 10 and 15, right where I had them. So... Yes, it's like the number one or two defense against the number eleven, so, so mismatch.
0: Yeah, against and two very good offenses. So he, in t- in twenty twenty two, Turner batted 298, 21 dingers. That's not bad. Uh, a four point nine WAR, which is I think the best of his career. Yeah, higher than uh, um, Lindor. But look, it, it, look, Trey Turner's a very good player. No one's no one's saying he's not. He's incredible. He is a top three shortstop, no doubt. that, that that's not an argument. But I think the top three. Just based off of last season alone, who do you think the Lindor third one is, is? The Bogarts. Okay, I think it's Lindor, Turner, Bogarts in that order. You can call me crazy. You can disagree. I know I, you I will. will call you crazy. I know you will. But I think in terms of they're all around game. I'm just trying to Lindor's figure the better out like player. he is better defensively, not a discussion. He is the best defensive shortstop in the game. He is elite.
1: He is durable. He plays. Turner's every day. a very good defensive player. I don't think it's like a, a big gap though. <laughs> I think it's bigger than you think. And you go on and on about how the Mets just they put the ball in play, they get hits, they yeah, That's what Turner does. Yeah, he, I get that. Right. I, and and he, what is what does Lindor have? Five more home runs than Turner? He does, but the, the he gap also drove in hundred plus big. runs. How many did uh, Turner have? Let
0: me see. He had a hundred in the nose, but however, let me see let, okay. On the in Dodgers. Fairness. In the on the Dodgers. Yes. And and Lindor's on the Mets, who had a hundred. I want to see how wins. Turner does on the Phillies. Without Harper for the first couple months as that one-two punch in the, in the, in the, like in the two to three I spot. I mean one-two,
1: but we got like a one-two, three-four-five punch. We got... Uh, yes. We're going to have Harper, Turner, Schwarber, Real Muto, Hoskins, and Castellanos as a I'm top i I'm not counting six. Castellanos. He's going to be very, I can't. Fine, count I, I can't. I like No, Scott. I'm not counting Stott either. You got to show me
0: something first consistently Brandon in Marsh. Philly. <laughs> I'm not counting any of those guys So you consistently put together a full season of offensive output that can yes. actually... Actually, you know, be tangible. I'm very in comparing those players. I'm very you can, high on you my can high, on Stott. You can, you can be high on Stott, and yeah. it, for good reason. He was a very you know highly rated prospect as a shortstop coming up, and I think he has the tools to be a very good player. Yeah. But he hasn't put it together yet in the MLB stage. I'm not ready to say he's going to be a key component of what makes that lineup go and getting key hits consistently until I see him do it for a full season. I'm just not ready to take that step you, yet.
1: What do you think about Bohm?
0: Bone's a very good hitter. Thank you, especially against left handed pitching. He kills lefties.
1: Uh, he's a good against right-handed too. He took, a, I think, he took a big step last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think he's a bona fide uh, major contributor in this lineup?
0: It well, okay. as a seven or eight hitter, I mean, yes. he's pretty
1: really good. Yes, yes.
0: I for his role, he's very good. If he had to be, you know, a four guy with constant pressure
1: on him every night, I don't know if he could take that. He was our three for a while with uh, Harper out. He was. But think about it. And he the, hit two home runs in, in one game against the Mets. Which the talk they about him. Lost, yeah.
0: The talk about him was. Think about what happened when they stopped talking about him after his defensive when when he cleaned up his defensive game throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to the point where he was an okay defender and not an he egregious. He was an above guy. average defender. Yeah, he, where he wasn't an egregious third base defender anymore. Stop talking about him and look what happened. If, if you're not, if the if Bohm's not in the pressure in terms of being like having to be the guy.
1: He was when, already when, hitting when was before Bone, that. Yeah,
0: you know, he was. That the hitting's always been there for Bone. Yeah, ever since he was coming up to the system, the bat was never the question for for Alec. But it's just you know, defensively, could he keep it together? And especially yeah. you know, mentally.
1: Well, it's it's defensively, um, and it's it's the power, right? He's six yeah. five. He's got that. That big build you would expect some dingers, right? And he yeah. started to. A lot of his home runs were like line drives though. You know like yeah. where are the big booming blasts? He's not, yeah, he's not a launch ankle guy. Where are the boom runs? He's know?
0: a he's a line drive hitter, though. I know. Like he, he just scorches doubles. Gay just and honestly, that's what you want of a hitter. I think boom's like that's really good for the Phillies lineup. I agree. Because they have a lot of those launch angle guys. You know, you have Schwarber, you have Castellanos, so they both take the big swings. They both went at the long ball. They went to hit it a country mile out of the stadium. Which Schwarber is all around does. hitter. He does, yeah. Schwarber does that more than Castellanos. He just
1: cranks them. So,
0: yeah, he does. Could you imagine if Castellanos got back to his? Uh, Schwarber's a perfect fit for that ballpark. Form. Oh, Schwarber's awesome, bro. He fits. He fits Citizens Bank so well. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't love Castellanos. I don't. I I think he's no. I don't either. I don't. I, I don't think either. he's a very. We're just gonna throw an average twenty player. million dollars at him. Average player. That's beautiful. I think he's a very. Meh.
1: Meh. That's what he was last year. I mean, year.
0: He, he had that one really good year for the Reds. Outside of that, he's been a decent player, but he's nothing great. Right. I think he's worth $20 million a year. No, I don't. No, I don't either. And, and it frustrates he's me. He's not a good enough defender to be paid that money. Honestly, he's not even a good enough hitter. What are you hitter talking about? Did you watch the playoffs? And you? Well, yeah, because they made a change. They, they put him more shifted towards right center. Yeah. And he's strongest defensively when he's coming in. Towards coming in right. left.
1: Left, yeah. Yeah, left. Yeah, so that was a really interesting video I saw talking yep. about that. That was really cool. I'm interested to see if they do that next year. They should if they're smart. Yeah. Um but just I just mean, leaves the right field line vulnerable. Look, it maybe and maybe Castellanos is such he's such an emotions guy, right? You know what I mean? You know, he, he is. comes on I, I don't have a good degree, I just, just hit baseballs. But he just doesn't flourish in the big moment. No, exactly. And I mean, when you play in a big market, you gotta be able to play in the big moments. But look, he's played in the big market now and he's gone to the biggest of moments, right? He's gone to the World Series with this team. And he didn't play great in that playoff run. I know, but maybe having just the experience under his belt is is enough to kind of jumpstart things and lock him back in and be like, "Oh, this is for real in Philadelphia." Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see. I'm just I'm just just spitballing here. I'm not sold on Castellanos
0: being a consistent contributor for this team. I'm not. Will he have spurts where he looks really good? Yes, but also have other spurts where he looks like he can't touch a beach ball coming towards him. I know.
1: Do we uh, still think the Braves
0: are winning the division? I do. I yeah. can't dethrone him till I'm not. I'm not going to dethrone him. Until someone beats them. I know I was, that was kind of, was of an t- off topic question, but I'm just I know, thinking, but we're talking just about how Analyze. great the
1: Phillies and Mets are. And they only got better. They got Sean Murphy, who's a top five catcher. I know. I'm aware. It's just, it's so frustrating. What do you think is, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you think is their weakness? Probably bullpen, if anything. If anything. But they
0: added there, too. They did. They're just so good. They're, They're so well put very together. Team. They're just so well put together. One question I have Von Grismann, shortstop. Yeah. Can, can he be the guy?
1: It took a chance letting Dance we go. You know how there's those players... but it feels just, like it's the Braves, everything goes their way. Everything works out. You know how Everything they do goes to gold. I mean, it's it's absolutely true. And I, we just have to hear that chop the entire year, the entire summer.
0: It's so. so infuriating because I love the chop for Florida State, but I
1: hate it for the Braves. I love it for the Chiefs, but I hate it for the Braves. I think the Chiefs Which do it the worst. now I hate it for the Chiefs. Chiefs do
0: it the worst, I think.
1: Really? Yep. Huh. Florida State is the best. Biased as hell, but... So you know how there's those players that just always seem to kill your team? Yep. Boston Scott. Um... I feel like the opposite is true for Ronald Acuna. I feel like he never does damage to the Phillies. Let's see. He'll be fully healthy this year. Yeah, I know. But I always feel like even when he's healthy, right? Like, I always feel like like the big home runs that the Phillies hit against the Braves are always over Acuna's, like, spot in the outfield. Yeah. Acuna's going back! It's gone!
0: The Mets did that this year to the Braves and Acuna's playing right. We had a couple big home runs. Beatty, yeah. McNeil, so we got to take our final break of the show, though. However, when we come back, we're going to wrap up our Emily discussion, talk about college basketball. It was a big weekend. A lot of top teams went down. Big 12 SEC Challenge was quite, uh, you know, very interesting to watch on all those matchups there. But we'll talk about all things college hoops on the flip side of this break. Final one of today's show. Stay tuned. And welcome back in Heavy Hitters, everybody, here on the radio voice of Town University. K, Your are We are back after our final break of today's show Mitch, we're talking about all things MLB, the Lindor Turner debate, talking about the Phillies and the Mets, and really the NL East in general. As going to be such another fun season impending, and and I well actually, opening day is two months from
1: today. It's really close. Two months from today, man. That shortstop debate reminded me of our uh, Harper Schwarber versus Alonzo and uh, Lindor. (laughs) All right, well let's run down here real quick to wrap this up.
0: Wrapping this up, Lindor career, more war. Than, than Turner, more All Star appearances, two Gold Gloves to none, two Silver Sluggers to one. I'm taking Lindor. I don't know, just just me personally. More accolades. Um, I think it just. I honestly think the same amount of time. I think they both came up in 2015. Yeah, I think they're both very good. So yeah, they're both very good shortstops. Yes. No one's debating that. They no. are
1: elite at their respective positions. And I think
0: they're the top two guys in the sport. I just think Turner's playing the so same all division. around.
1: Uh, I I do think uh Lindor, you know, more pop.
0: And I love defense. Lindor, he plays every day, man. He doesn't take a day off. He missed Neither one game last year. And I'm not, no, I'm not saying... Turner played 160, a, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying Turner's made a glass and he's, you know, he's missing all this time, yada, yada. But man, just, I don't know. And I feel like Lindor is might, I could be wrong, but maybe a possibly better leader than, than Turner is. I don't know. You just, I feel like you never hear about Trey Turner being
1: a vocal leader for a team. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he needs to be. He was on a team with, you know, quite a few... I know, uh, but he's been on so many good teams. Yeah. So I think we'll, those
0: Nationals teams he were on were so good and so frustrating to play against. Then he went to the Dodgers and everyone knows the Dodgers—they're loaded year in and
1: year out, so much talent.
0: And now he's going to a Philly team that's that's, that's bolstered up over the past loaded, couple of
1: years. Pretty loaded. I love it. I can't wait. Another uh, another World Series coming our way. I think
0: all those teams. I think all three teams get over ninety, especially with the limit and with the, the last divisional games. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Easy. Easy. Lock it in. We'll see. We'll see. Yes, sir. All right, let's move on to your college hoops. College Tell hoops. me about the uh, the upset that took place. Well, I was raving
0: about Alabama last
1: week, but yeah. man, they
0: got <laughs> shellacked on Saturday. Woo! They rolled in in Norman, Oklahoma, and they got destroyed. The Sooners beat the tide 93 69. I mean, wow, Oklahoma, uh, they got the best of them on this day. I mean, Grant Shurfield goes off 30 points on uh, six assists, and then Jalen Hill. What a day for him. 26 and 8. Uh eight rebounds for him. Sooners crush the tide. Uh, but maybe you need these kind of losses. Last year, if you remember back to the Big 12 SEC challenge, Kansas lost by 28 at home to Kentucky and then went on to win the national championship. I'm not saying Alabama's gonna win the national championship, but maybe you, you need these kind of maybe you need these kind of losses. You know, humble you a little bit. If you're gonna take these losses, now's the time to do it. Late January, early February, get your game together uh in mid to late February, rolling into March. It's where you want to peak in the season. Uh, That's where championships teams, you know, find their groove. You don't want to peak in December and January because if you peak too soon, uh, you know, you're going to fade out by the time tournament time rolls around. So in the next couple weeks is really where you want to start to get your best game together uh, and start peaking, going into March Madness and through March Madness. Uh, You know, that's what the championship teams do. Kansas played their best games, you know, late in the season, Big 12 tournament. And, uh, you know, into March. And that's especially why, especially why they won uh, the national championship last year. Mitch, uh, is there anything you want to know? You want to ask me a couple questions? Anything I want to know? Um, are you a Clemson guy for hoops? Uh, I know you like Nova. But
1: I Clemson, know. I, Clemson's good this year. Clem, are they good? I, I'm 18-4, and 10-1 in the ACC. So my, my other college football teams, you know, that I kind of pay attention to, obviously Penn State, uh, and then it's Clemson, and then it became Tennessee this year. So. Yeah, yeah. For not,
0: not bandwagon reasons, just because he likes a country country singer who's a Tennessee <laughs> <Wagon> fan. Morgan Wallin!
1: <laughs> who's a Tennessee fan. Yeah, through and through. That's the song, Tennessee yeah. fan. Looks like the joke's on Alabama, because they lost big this time. It's yeah. true. Well, both those teams are top five in college hoops. It's yeah, going to be a so fun matchup when those two teams meet. Who, uh, Alabama and yep. Tennessee? Both projected to be one seeds as of this moment. Give me Tennessee, then. I'll go with the Volunteers. Tennessee! That's they, my team this speaking year. Speaking of
0: them, we are going to go down there because they met Texas in a one of the better SEC Big 12 matchups. The Vols rolled. If I could find it here, I believe I scroll past it. But they won uh, by double digits at home over the Longhorns. The Kai Ziegler rolled in this one. For the Volunteers, Rick Barnes may be having one of his best volunteer teams in his time at Tennessee. Uh, This team, you know, maybe playing a little bit of a chip on their shoulder just because of how last year ended. You know, they kind of got bounced early in that tournament. Does this team reload? Do they come back? Look, I like Tennessee, but I'm not fully sold on them due to the fact they don't have a go-to scorer. And in March, you need a bucket getter. You need a guy when you're down in crunch time, down the stretch. You need one guy who you can give the ball to be like, this is my guy. This is the guy I'm giving it to. I'm confident he's gonna be able to get us a big bucket. For example, Penn State, Jalen Pickett in the transfer portal. One of the best pickups by any team, uh, you know, in, in the portal. That that's their guy for Penn State. I love the Nittany Lions this year as a sleeper team in March. If if they get in the dance, they have a great backcourt. Guard room is very, very talented. But Jalen Pick is their guy. They know if they need a bucket late, they're giving him the basketball. Tennessee, I'm not sure they have that guy. Is it maybe Santiago Vescovi? Possibly could be. Is it Ziegler? Maybe they have a lot of options, but they don't have one guy where you're like, "Yeah, I'm giving the guy the basketball. I'm confident he's going to go to bat, going to go, give me a basket. Whether it be a two, three, uh, you know, a
1: variety of ways you could score. I'm not sure they have that guy when they when, when you need it the most. It's a good point. Game. Yeah, because how many times do we watch March Madness, and it just comes down to you know the NBA the and, best players and, making plays and the and college hoops right. It, it's much more of a star-based league than really any other sport. Football a little bit with with quarterbacks. Baseball it's very hard because you you, you know you're batting once every nine. Um, but basketball is interesting in the sense that like if there's just that one guy on the court, he just dominates. You know what I mean? And and you need that uh, to really be a successful team. It's not you know I, I would love to say it's a team effort and it is you know to a large extent. But in basketball more than any other sport, that one guy will just take over the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, we saw it with, you know, Kansas last year in the tournament. They yeah. got Ochai Abaji involved late. Uh, and he was their guy. You know, make a three. You know, get a, get a basket. And, you know, you could dump it down McCormick in the post, you know, down crunch time. But they had a guy they can always go to uh, to get a bucket. And more times than not, it was Ochai Abaji, was one of the great wing players for the Jayhawks last year in their run to win the national championship. We'll get back to College Hoops Talk in one more second after a message from the KU or Notebook. Attention, KU Community. The Senior Exhibition for Graduates in Studio Art will take place from April 22nd to April 30th in the Miller Art Gallery at the Sheridan Arts Building. Free and open to the public, the exhibition is open Mondays through Fridays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturdays from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., and Sundays from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. An opening reception will be held on Sunday, April 23rd, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Stop by and check out artwork made by very talented students. This message of community interest is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kutztan University KUR. We are back for our final part of today's show, wrapping up our two hours of sports talk all here on the Radio Voice of Kutztan University KUR. Mitch, we're back. We're wrapping up with some college basketball talk. It was a very eventful weekend. We saw multiple top 25 teams fall. Uh, In fact, I believe five fell uh, if I go back and do the counting real quick. Alabama fell against Oklahoma. We saw Texas fall against Tennessee. That was two top ten teams. TCU lost to unranked Missouri. Man. Iowa State uh, Iowa State lost to Missouri. TCU lost to Mississippi State. Correction, pardon me there. Thirteenth ranked Xavier lost to unranked Creighton. Um, anything else? New was Mexico Creighton lost. In the I thought week?
1: Creighton was a good basketball. Creighton sport.
0: was good, but they had one of their better players get hurt early in the year. Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's hmm. back now. They're fully healthy. Uh, they're looking good. They had a double-digit win at home against Xavier this past weekend. I believe it was 84-71 gotcha. uh, was the score. Oh, eighty-four sixty-seven. 84-67, my bad. It's even a better Not uh, bad. point differential win for the Blue Jays in their home court. Uh, Mizzou played a really good game, one of the big wins out of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. He took down the 12th-ranked Cyclones. Uh, the defense wasn't great for, uh, for, for Iowa State in that game. They turned the ball over a little bit. Uh, just playing a little bit sloppy, and you know that's that's what cost him in the end. Bulldogs Mississippi State, Mansion got a big win over 11th-ranked TCU at home. Baylor, one of my favorite backcourts in the country. With Keontae George, uh, Flagler, and LJ Cryer there. Three guys who can just get to the basket and just score in a variety of different ways. Perimeter shooting, getting inside, man. I love those three guys for the Bears. They can make a run in March. Guard play wins in March. They have the guards to do. So they beat Arkansas, who's can, been one of the dis- more disappointing teams this year. They've dealt with injuries, but man, they have not gotten off uh, to, I would say, a good start. And it's not been a great year for them in general. Uh, this one's personal for me. Hofstra to the Colonial beat 18th ranked College of Charleston, who's riding the nation's longest winning streak at 20 mm. games. It gets snapped on Saturday. Aaron Estrada, 25 points in the Pride's win, 85 to 81. Wow. Big win for the Pride booster resume. They sit second, tied for second in the Colonial uh, with Towson. Uh, now, with the College of Charleston losing, they shows they can beat. Uh, That should be a fun three-team race to see what team gets the bid to the NCAA tournament as the weeks come and conference tournament time rolls around. My cousin goes to Hofstra. um, oh way. So, yeah. Uh, Good for him. He was very excited about the win. I was talking with him about it. But big win for the Pride. Speedy Claxton, the head coach there for Hofstra. Kansas State continues to roll. They got a 14-point win over the Gators in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. One of my favorite teams. Uh, J- uh, Jerome Tang in his first year with the Wildcats, the longtime Scott Drew assistant at Baylor. Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel, the two go-to guys for the Wildcats. They're rolling some of the best guard play. Well, Johnson's a hybrid. He can play forward too, so he's such an interesting player. Kansas got the win over Kentucky in the Battle of the Blue Bloods uh, to wrap up that SEC Big 12 Challenge. One of my favorite teams, uh, that that's a mid-major, St. Mary's this year. They, they were 5C last year, got bounced in the round of 32. I think they can go very far this year. Alex Mahaney had a huge last-second jumper, on a turnaround fadeaway shot uh at the end to BPYU 57 56 as the Gales roll their 19 and
1: 4. Mitch any questions for me? Um no, we talked about mid-majors last week, so is anything um anything changed in your mid-major uh kind of radar? Anything else pop up? Anything get kind of snuffed out? Um uh, it's been a week, you know, a couple games uh not too much going on, but you know, tell me about it. Tell me any changes you got on your. Because I love the upsets. I love the the fun stories and stuff. So tell me what to look for. All
0: right. Well, St. Mary's is a mid-major. They're the best mid-major. They're going to be a you know top four or five seed in the tournament. Uh, one or, not not in terms of being a one or two, but like they're going to be in that four to five range. I think right now, uh, you know, based on what their resume has been and what they've done to this point, especially if they could beat Gonzaga in the WCC, they'll be in that five range. I think for sure. Um So they're my one. I think Florida Atlantic's really good out of Conference USA. They now have the nation's longest winning streak after Charleston fell this weekend. Uh, I'd probably put the Cougars at three, College of Charleston. They're still a very, very good basketball team. San San Diego State on the Mountain West, they got to be there. They're the front runners for that conference right now. Brian Dutcher and the Aztecs are the class of that conference uh, out west. And at five, I'm probably taking either, ooh, probably New Mexico maybe, or... Uh, who's another team in that conference is really good? Nevada's good, but I wouldn't say them there. Uh, Utah State, the Mountain West just loaded this year. I mean, they yeah. have four, to maybe
1: even five. You uh, talked about tournament the Mountain West teams. last year, yeah, uh, last week. They're, yeah.
0: they're a very, very good conference this year. So those, I'd probably say my top five.
1: Awesome. Okay, so uh, any any jostling, uh, we'll go from the bottom to the uh, to the top up at the number one seats. I think Purdue's now the best team in the country. I think
0: they. Zach Eadie is an animal. Put up thirty eight uh, yesterday against Michigan State in what was a. Career day for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seven foot four big man from Canada. He is such a good player. He's going to win the national player of the year and produce dangerous in March. I have my concerns about their freshman guards, and I think they can be beat by an experienced team who can make them pay from the perimeter and really, you know, test those freshman guards. I'm going to see that happen. I think a team if they play a team like that in their region uh, in March, they could be vulnerable. But man, Zach Ead, he just looks flat out unguardable. He's a He's just a giant person. I mean, he's seven foot four, and he's physical. I mean, this guy, you know, usually guys who are built that tall aren't, you know, built up. They're kind of built, you know, skinny. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he is a he is just a big physical man. Like it's just incredible. Like for his size, he is just so hard to guard. I mean, it's obviously seven foot four, but he's just so physical. He's like, I wouldn't say he's just he's not as big as Shaq, but he's as tough to guard as Shaq was. Gotcha. So Purdue, number one team in the country. Uh, they're rolling right now. Uh, just, whew. Boilermakers, they have a lot to be excited about. Uh, they are out of the Big Ten. They could make a deep run and maybe get back to their first Final Four since 1980. It's been a long, long time, time coming wow. for those fans. They deserve it. One of the most passionate fan bases in all of college basketball. The Boilermakers are a very, very exciting
1: team <laughs> to watch. Awesome. How about, uh, did that Alabama loss kind of knock them down at all? Or are, they, are they... They're still around? a one for me. I don't think this
0: loss... I mean, it... No, it's a bad look for it's concerning. sure. It doesn't but spell disaster. It just though. shows how deep the Big 12 is more than Bama's weaknesses. Okay. I mean, Oklahoma's like the sixth or seventh team in the Big 12, and they're a very talented team. They might not even make the tournament at the end of the day. I mean, this is a huge resume boosting win for them. But for me, it just shows the depth of the Big 12 and how great of a conference that is this year. I mean, they have seven mm-hmm. to eight of the ten teams could make the tournament. That's they crazy. really could. It is nuts. It's just how bonkers that league is this year i mean anyone can beat anyone and you just let the seventh team in that conference destroy the second ranked team in college basketball it just it just shows you a testament how much talent is
1: in that it's conference incredible it's a really great time of year for sports man it at, is uh, college basketball uh, march madness gets everyone going it does we love our our spring training coming up and the eagles are now in the super bowl what a show what, what a, a show. show uh one more question for me to end it yeah um so we just talked about me being a Tennessee fan, I guess. So how much? Tell me how much realistically of a shot they got. I know to, that you think they're going to win be the a title. one seed, so they're going to be pretty high up there, right? They're going to to win the title.
0: I think they can go as far as the Elite Eight. Hmm. I think, think so? they're a beatable team. Their offense isn't consistently great. They put up 82 on Texas on Saturday, which impressed me, but they haven't been able to put up those. I mean, you're not going to put up 80 points consistently in the tournament. It's just not yep. going to happen. you got to score in the 60s and 70s uh, more, more times than not to win. But I'm just I'm just worried about them consistently getting to 70. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it. They have a lot of options, but I'm just not sure they're going to be able to consistently get it to 70. That's my major concern with Tennessee. But I know right. you're a big Vols guy. Yeah. Now, Well, well now I am. So. Yeah.
1: We got to wrap it up, though.
0: We do. I want to thank everyone for listening into today's show. As always, your listenership so much. Very, very much appreciated from both Mitch and myself. Yes, but sir. until next time, we will be back. Quick turnaround. We will be back Wednesday morning. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about. You know, Maybe some college basketball. Figure not a lot of out. NFL. We will figure it out. <laughs> we will find some sports things to talk about. We always do. Once again, thank you all for listening in to today's show. We will be back on Wednesday at this same time in our time for the semester. We will talk to you all on Wednesday.